You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you tri freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon podcast where we teach you to learn all about yourself through endurance. Okay, we have a great interview with Jeff Fairbanks about the Triumph Project. It's a really cool documentary that he's making about triathlon and it has uh, Rachel McBride in it, Dave Mira, all kinds of cool stuff. It's a really great interview and we talk almost an hour about the ins and outs of training long distance and he comes from a pro surfer and mixed martial arts, fighting background, all kinds of really cool stuff. It's a really good interview. And then we have uh, some training log. I don't know if in this training log we really get into how I just broke my arm recently running. <laughs> and uh, But we'll cover that in the, at the tail end of the news, which we should go ahead and get to now. Here we go. Here's some triathlon news. All right, first up, we have Luke McKenzie. Went sub eight hours at Ironman Western Australia, winning the race and pretty much dominating the whole scene. And that's a really big deal because he DNF'd, did not finish at Kona here this fall. And uh, that was a little devastating to him. And you want to pick back up and succeed as soon as you can. And boy, do you ever. And Luke is from Australia. So that's a really big deal. And the race was actually uh, not an easy race. It was kind of, I would say, you know, like not pleasant conditions and a choppy swim. And uh, the rest of the pro field, male and female, uh, were nowhere near as fast. So he really cranked it out and had a successful race. So really good for him. Uh, Luke has been on Zen Tri a long, long time ago. Really great guy and a surfer. So we like, we like Luke and uh, congratulations. And then uh, Danielle Reef, who did win the women's field at Kona, she turned around and won the Bahrain 70.3. And that was the final race in the Triple Crown that was going on there in the Middle East with a million bucks for both the pro and female uh, pro and what the pro male and female pro that uh, completed all three races in first place, and Danielle Reef managed to pull it off. So she won a million dollars, which is huge for her. Uh, it was done to help promote the uh, race, and we'll see over time, you know, whether that really pans out. They had some trouble with some of the race execution, so it didn't go quite as well as everybody hoped it would. But still, it happened, and it might be the biggest payday ever in endurance sports and triathlon, for sure. And it's a big deal, so congratulations to Danielle Reef. Uh, on the uh, not good side, we had a Danish age grouper. A male, I think he was in the 35 to 39 age group, get busted for EPO, drug test, and uh, he was a Kona qualifier. So somebody that's taken away your spots to go to Hawaii was uh, doping. And oddly enough, he was part of a three-brother team that uh, they were all qualifying for Kona and kicking ass. And so one of them popped for pop positive 
for drugs. And uh, we'll see what happens with the other guys. But interesting. Hmm. Mm. Water break. So the um, you know competition between brothers gets pretty stiff. And uh, if one starts qualifying, then you try to qualify. You know, and uh, the other brothers are younger, so maybe he's just trying to keep up. But anyway, it just goes to show that it's out there, and it's not a, a good thing. And also that they're testing now the age groupers, and watch out. Do not do drugs bad. Drugs are bad, okay? And let's see, we have uh, Chrissy Wellington had her first baby. <laughs> Emma, I think it's Emma, what was her name? Uh, but anyway, uh, beautiful little baby, and she posted pictures of it on Instagram. It's very, very cute. You can totally tell. It looks like, Chris, looks like Chrissy. And uh, Chrissy's been gone from the sport just long enough where some of you might not know who she is. Six-time uh, Ironman champion i think she was six time uh iron man world champion just showed up on the scene and destroyed all the races and then retired <laughs> and a great great person great spokesperson really holds herself together uh, i met her one time and i was just blown away with the uh the two sentences of exchange i had with her really an amazing person so someday we'll get her on an episode when she slows down uh for five seconds all right uh on slow twitch there is a outrageous interview with um andrew starkowitz and starkey is the um personality well he's the pro triathlete who the real starkey personality bases himself off of he's so dry and blunt and honest that it comes across as uh as rude and mean, but really, I mean, most of the time he's just telling the truth, but just sometimes the uh, the truth isn't appropriate <laughs> or doesn't make people feel good. So it comes across as just like this insane, uh, outrageous uh, personality um, that's just honest, man. And um, you got to go check it out. It's just a crazy interview. They're asking him about uh, Crowey and uh orbea bikes and uh, specialized i mean just like all this stuff this technical stuff and starkey comes from a uh, engineering background he used to work for caterpillar and uh just just fascinating uh responses that you should go read it's on the front page of slowtwitch.com i'll link to it go check it out uh taupo 70.3 that is probably lake taupo i believe in new zealand you had Braden Curie of New Zealand and Meredith Kessler of the United States uh, won those elite titles. That's pretty cool. Uh, Polar. You know, like there's Polar, Sunto, Garmin, one of these big watchmakers, uh, device makers. Um, they just announced integration with Strava. That's a big deal. Strava is the big social network where you can upload your workouts and see how you did. And Garmin has been connecting with Strava for a long time. I was actually surprised that Polar hasn't done it yet. And it's a big deal because the more things you have to sit down and hook your watch up to and uh, the more steps you have to take where it doesn't do it automatically, uh, the more struggle and that you have and the more time it eats up. And as triathletes, we don't have a ton of time. We're trying to do all this stuff, and uh, the more things that are automated and integrated they are, the better they are. And so this is a big deal. If you have a Polar device, you want to hook it up with Strava so it happens automatically. 
And to me, Strava has the best power curve analysis to see what your FTP is uh, than any other platform out there. Better than Training Peaks, even. And uh, you only get that with Strava Pro, which I have. And if you have Strava Pro, then you get two free months of Zwift, which is just the awesome video game that you bike on, that I've been biking on a ton lately, and it's definitely improved my FTP. FTP is functional threshold uh, power. Um, it's how fast you go. Uh, and you can use that number to um, predict race times and improve. You improve that number, you'll improve your races. And let's see, Lance Armstrong did an interview on the Joe Rogan podcast. And I uh, listened to the first few minutes and, and hated it. And then uh, forced myself to listen to the rest just in case it got better. And I didn't, I didn't hate anything that was said. I don't hate Lance. I, don't, I love Joe Rogan. Um, it's just that nothing was said that was of any use to anybody. And... Uh, I don't even know what the point of the interview was. Um, the only thing I can think of is Lance is trying to soften up uh, personal uh, uh, public perception of himself so that he can uh, compete more in other stuff. Like he's gotten big into trail running lately, and uh, he won a trail run race. It was kind of short, but he still won a trail run race, and uh, maybe he wants to get into trail running and compete that way, and there's a lot of trail runners that do not want him there, and I got into an argument on Slow Twitch, not a long one, I just said what I had to say, and left, uh, where somebody, uh, some guy that's a famous dude or something, said, um, oh, but it's great, you know, he'll get more eyes, uh, he'll make the sport grow, and I said, well, growth for growth's sake is the mantra of the cancer cell, <laughs> you don't grow just to grow, you know, and then he said, well, and capitalism, of course, in America, all you have to do is attach the word capitalism to something, and then all of a sudden it's okay and great. And I wrote back, no, doing something better than the other guy is capitalism. Doing something bigger is not good. I could put 10 cars in my driveway, and that's more and bigger than two cars in my driveway, but that's not better. Now, all of a sudden, I can't get in and out of my driveway. You know, I could have more coal factories around my town, but now I can't see because of the pollution. And so that's, that's sure it's bigger and more power, but it's not better. You want to do things better and, and smarter. And trail running is a wonderful, beautiful thing. And let's let the sport grow naturally and organically instead of just trying to grow it just to grow it. Uh, there's a lot of trails that are overpopulated with people. There's races that you can't get into. There's races that suck because they're too crowded and people can't pass each other on the trails. There's places that parking lots get full and trashed out. Trails get trashed out because there's too many people that don't care. They're just out there because they heard of somebody famous is doing trail runs and now they're wrecking the place. So just uh, nothing. I like Lance, actually. I like him a lot. And uh, I like, uh, I love trail running. Um, but let's not promote trail running just to promote trail running. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a delicate, wonderful thing. And if you let it grow on its own without forcing it, then it'll grow into a uh, beautiful tree. You don't need to dump fertilizer, you know, 500 pounds of fertilizer on a rose bush to make it better. You know, you just let it grow and then add, add things where needed and uh, no, no, nothing more is needed than that. Okay, then, um, and yeah, I'm totally, if Lance wants to, wants to trail race, that's fine. Um, but let's not try to, you know, shove it down everybody's throat and get people out there that don't really 
care about it. They're just being out there because they heard some famous guy. Lance is pop culture at this point. So you just get people out there that don't know what they're doing and just ruin it for everybody else. Ruining your nice experience. Okay, um, let's see. Uh, Rev3 has uh, added prize money to their races, to the pro field. And Rev3 was taken over by Challenge for a little while. And Challenge didn't, somebody didn't like it. Uh, both sides didn't like it. Rev3 broke back off. Now they're their own again. And yeah, prize money, mostly in the Olympic distance. Apparently they have six big races in the United States. I wish they had more. I wish they had some in Texas so I could go do some. So please, Rev3, bring some races to Texas. And then finally in the news, I broke my arm. And uh, what I was doing, I was out just running and I was running in the dark and I was texting to a coaching client about how he should have a flashlight when he runs at night. And while I was texting and running at the same time, I tripped and fell and broke my arm. And I literally went airborne and then came down on my left arm, probably because I might have been texting with my right, you know, who knows, with these things. that It happened so fast, uh, it's hard to tell. I don't even know what I tripped over. But I was on a section of street with no street light. And most of the streets do have street lights and I just tripped over something. There's like a section where the light was out or something like that. And I, um, when airborne came down on my arm and what happens if you hold your arm out stiffly and then crash down, you, um, one of your arm bones slams into your other arm bones and it'll fracture the head of the bone. Um, it fractured it up near my elbow and that splints, splinters off fragments and I, those fragments keep you from being able to twist your arm, uh, like at the wrist. I can only point my thumb kind of at my face any more to the left or to the right of that. Uh, it's excruciating pain. This happened uh, as I'm recording this almost a week ago. And then I also dislocated my elbow because as my arm joint decided to compress, it didn't have anywhere to go, so it goes sideways, and my elbow puffed up. And I was, uh, I didn't know it, but I also injured the heck out of my right toe. I guess trying to control my fall, I strained my toe, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, I didn't realize how bad it was until a few days later when the pain decreased in my elbow. Uh, so I called Emily on my uh, lovely cell phone that caused the whole, well, I caused it, but my cell phone, um, and said, I think I broke my arm. You might need to come get me. And uh, she came and got me, and she took uh, one look at me and said, we need to go to the emergency room. And I said, it's Friday night. Emergency room is packed with people that are suffering from car accidents and are dying. And I am definitely not dying. I'm in my jogging shorts and just out jogging. We need to get going. I need to get to the doctor's office. I'll record while I run, while I drive. And uh, I'm definitely not dying so I don't want to take up resources from people that actually are dying. So how about um, we go tomorrow morning? And she said, no. We called the emergency room. Emergency room, one of these, we have these little critical care centers. Uh, they have an x-ray machine. And the staff said there was uh, no wait. So they could get me right in. And I said, okay, well, now I'll go, right? And so we go in there, x-ray me broken radial radius radial bone or something like that it's one of the two bones in the lower arm in my left arm and your upper arm is one bone your lower arm is two bones and then what else happened um probably some torn stuff no black and blue in my elbow 
though. So probably not too much torn stuff in my elbow from the dislocation. Torn tendons. They put me in a sling. I came in and Kai had an old sling that we put me in. So it's a child small sling. That's <laughs> so I'm wearing that thing. They put me in a bigger sling. They made like a temporary cast kind of thing and wrapped me up. And then uh, starting two days later, I couldn't even wear the sling because it was making me itch from the... Um, Oh, the swelling from the uh, injury was uh, compressing my arm and making my fingers go numb, and the pain was really unreal. They gave me some hydrocodone with Tylenol, and it was tempting to take them all at once, but I spaced them out, and then, uh, so I had to take off the cast thing, which left me uh, in the sling only. I'm allergic to the sling material, so I broke out on a rash, and then starting on Monday... I didn't even really need the sling anymore. It felt better to be out of the sling where I could um, kind of move my arm just a little bit and get circulation going to make things heal faster. And um, then on either Monday or Tuesday, my arm felt so fine. Uh, it was definitely majorly injured, but it didn't hurt anymore if I just kind of bent it and held it at my side, uh, even without a sling, that I went for a jog. And then when I went for a jog, which felt fine, by the way, and I'd already ridden once on my bike, my stationary bike. Um, when I went for the jog, about three miles into the jog, I was like, man, my toe hurts. And then, to big toe, right foot. And then I was like, uh, just a few hundred feet later, all of a sudden I felt this like ripping, tearing, uh, horrible pain in my right big toe. I was like, what the hell is that? So I jogged at home. Uh, took off my uh, shoes and socks, and my right big toe was now black and blue and uh, swollen like you wouldn't believe. I mean, it was pretty tremendous. And I was like, what the hell is all this? So I Google that, and my uh, I've got what they call turf toe, where you injure that joint by, by straining it, by trying to, uh, when you fall, you put a ton of pressure on your toe trying to catch your trying to keep yourself from falling you're leveraging your your toe to keep your whole body 180 pounds from falling over well that's too much right too much stress on a little joint to do it so it rips up your tendons and uh sprains your toe and all kinds of stuff and um so that happened uh yesterday or the day before i can't remember which day it happened but um that really hurt and oh, I, I want to mention that when I injured my elbow, the um, when I fell on my arm and injured my elbow, I almost threw up from the pain. And that's how I knew something was wrong. I grabbed my arm. I'm laying there in the dark, holding my arm, feeling it, making sure it's kind of straight. See if I feel any bone shards sticking out of my skin. I can't see, and the pain was unbelievable. Uh, and then um, I was like, as I tried to move, I finally could stand up. And then as I tried to move my arm, you get that like that feeling like something's wrong in the foundation of your arm, you know, like structurally wrong. And then I was like, oh, crap, I wonder if I broke it. And uh, then as I was trying to move my arm up and down, you know, like flex the elbow joint, um, the pain was unbelievable. And that's when I started thinking I was going to throw up from the pain. And then... Uh, that's when I called uh, Emily. I'm like, I think you're gonna have to come get me because I tried jogging for like 10 feet, and I was like, it hurt so much that I couldn't jog. And then in the car, uh, pulling into the house to get over the lip of the driveway, which is, you know, an inch or half an inch 
to get over the lip of the driveway to pull into the driveway I was yelling in pain the bump from that driveway even going slowly over the lip of it caused my arm to bounce enough or uh, the pain was just unreal so that's how bad this hurt um, when I was in the emergency room they sent on a scale of 1 to 10 how bad does it hurt and I said um, 9 because I do imagine that I could just stab myself in the arm with a K-bar knife over and over and over again it's a big fixed blade knife the Marines use. And I was like, I imagine I could stab myself in the elbow with an arm, in the arm with a uh, knife. Um, and that would make it hurt even more than it hurts. And I said, but besides that, I think that that's as bad as this thing hurts. There's not much more room than that, than just stabbing myself. Then it would hurt more. I thought the rest of my body feels pretty good. See, that's why I didn't even think about my toe at the time. And, uh, so on that happened Friday night, uh, Monday morning. We were finally able to get in with somebody to uh, make an appointment. Just get in to make an appointment. Get in a phone call to make an appointment to go see an orthopedic uh, orthopedist and see if we need an orthopedic surgeon to see if I need to reattach tendons and all that. I'm hopeful for not, um, but I haven't had an MRI yet to see how everything is all attached and everything. But the uh, upside is, is my uh, plantar fasciitis in my left foot. Um, I'm not running with that turf toe thing. That is really painful. So I'm not going to run for two weeks and see if my plantar fasciitis heals up a little bit. I'm still able to get in bike rides. Um, it's the Christmas season. So there's nothing really to train for. And um, yeah, I can ride on the trainer. And um, I was able to run just fine until that turf toe thing acted up. So I can do two sports out of three. Um, I imagine I might go swim and just swim one, one armed and uh, uh, get that all done. So that is uh, my your injury of the week report. And that's where I'm at with all that. And I have just pulled in to the orthopedist parking lot. And I got to go in for my first ever appointment to see uh, how bad things are. And uh, maybe next episode we'll pick up with more, or maybe later in this episode we will. But um, let's leave that where let's leave this where that is, and uh, we'll pick up uh, with the um, the interview. And also, I want to say something about Amrita bars. Here we go. All right, let's rock and roll with some Amrita bars. Okay, they want me to let you know about how Amrita bars are great fuel for long base rides. That is definitely true. I love taking them on long base rides. Easy to eat. Um, they have fats in them so that you can carry even less because fat, fat is higher in calories. So you can carry less crap with you to uh, fuel so that you have a really good long ride without carrying all that stuff, man. Love it. And then also, I use them on uh, long running events too. Just something to snack on, kind of here and there. And for early morning rides, uh, digest easy, but you uh, won't get blood sugar crashes like if you ate something with uh, really fast sugar, because Amrita bars are kind of a, a slower sugar, a slower fuel because of the fat and protein and dates have a little bit of fiber in them and stuff. It's really good. And this is interesting. These winter months where uh, you get cold out there, uh, they don't freeze. It's a huge benefit against grain-based bars like Cliff Pro Bar. Practically 90% of all the other bars are grain-based, 
and when they get frozen, when it goes below freezing temps, they get too hard to eat well. You have to chew on a block of ice is what it seems like, and the Amarita bars don't. It's pretty cool. Uh, they reduce inflammation. They, they're uh, protecting you against allergens that cause inflammation. Uh, training already causes inflammation, so why not use your food to reduce inflammation? I love two-for-ones, man. That's pretty smart. And the club, Amrita Club, is 20% off the regular price, plus free shipping, plus, and these are literally plus signs, plus they choose the bars, you, they, you choose the bars that you want to get, and, in capital letters, and now they get a free triathlon, triathlon or cycling top uh, for free with your order. Hey, that's pretty cool, man. A free cy- uh, yeah, cycling or triathlon top with your order if you join the, the uh, Amarita Club. That's pretty cool. And you will just have to email in your uh, size and gender with the order. And... And I just got some Amrita stuff. I got two water bottles. They're white with the Amrita logo on them. Man, they look cool. I love them. And here is the link to the Amrita Club. And I'll post this on my website too. But it's Amrita, and it's A-M-R-I-T-A, AmritaHealthFoods.com, and then uh, slash product slash Amrita Club, and Amrita has a dash. Amrita Club has a dash in it. So again, AmritaHealthFoods.com slash product slash Amrita Club with a dash in the Amrita Club. And after that, um, you need to know that the discount code is ZEN2016, ZEN, ZEN, lowercase. So if you don't mention that, then they don't know that you heard about it from Zentry, and they're going to quit let me uh, pilfer their their uh, their stuff and get uh, Amrita bars and Amrita gear, which I love. So I'll be angry if you don't mention Zen 2016, all lower letters. Uh, the Zen, there is no capital letters in numbers. People, come on. But Zen is in lowercase. All right. Uh, before we get into the interview here with uh, Jeff Fairbanks, I also um, got out of the. Uh, the uh, 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 orthopedist. I have trouble because I keep thinking orthodontist. I have trouble. Uh, well, I got out of the orthopedist uh, uh, inter- interview <laughs> appointment. It is kind of like an interview. He's like, what's up? And I, um, no cast. I got two bone breaks, but they're small, but they are significant. And um, it's blood that's all in my elbow joint that's keeping me from being able to bend it either direction too far. I can't curl it too tight, and I can't straighten it out too much. Um, for example, I tried to scratch something on my face with my left hand. I can't touch my face with my left hand because my elbow won't bend towards my face. <laughs> I can touch my I can touch my thumb to my nose, and that's about as far as I can go. I'm doing it right now. I touch my thumb to my nose, but any farther, I can't really do anything. I can't touch my fingers. I can't twist my hand to touch my fingers to my nose. Try it. See how you have to twist your arm. For your fingers versus your uh, thumb. And then um, I can't straighten my arm out all the way. And uh, I've still got about 30 degrees, 20 degrees, something like that, before I straighten it out all the way. And um, the doctor said that, you know, the joint's swollen, so it doesn't want to do full range of motion. But the, um, uh, 
I got to do therapy with it and eventually get to the point where I'm hanging, holding on the weights with my hand that stretch my arm out. Um, because typical injury like this is 10% reduction in range of motion. Mm, that's a lot. You're trying to straighten out your arm while swimming and you're swimming with your arm bent. It's like you're swimming elbow first, you know, it's not that great. And I like swimming. I don't really care about my left arm so much. I like my right arm a lot. But my left arm, eh, I've gotten along pretty well. Uh, it's funny trying to open a heavy door with my left arm. I have to get down. I have to bend at the waist and get down and pull and twist my whole upper body <laughs> to open a heavy door. It's pretty funny. But the um, other thing is my right toe, big toe, and maybe the toe next to it and the tendons in there are they're broken and torn, and he said there's not really much you can do with it. We put you in some kind of funky boot and tie the toes together if you think that'll help. Uh, but does it hurt? And I was like, eh, I mean, it hurts. If I tried to run, it'll hurt, but if I just walk, no, nah, it doesn't really hurt. And he goes, nah, well, then we'll just leave it. But I have a follow-up visit in two weeks. Okay, let's go ahead and get started with the Triumph Project, man. This is my favorite part of the show. I'm stoked. Uh, in the uh, interview, we talk about me possibly going to Florida to train. I don't know now. I'm just a mess of, of body parts all thrown in a, in a dumpster at the moment. But I have faith that I will, uh, I will reassemble Johnny Number 5 and uh, get, get my butt together in gear here pretty soon. But we'll see. All right. Here is Jeff. Let's go. Welcome to the next level. Are you ready to rock? Yeah, I'm ready to rock. When are you coming out to train with me? <laughs> Dude, you want to train? Where do you live? Let's do this. We're staying in Florida right now. Oh, my. Come on. No, I'm saying you, you're, uh, you got to watch out, man. If I show up to train, it's on. Like three, four hours a day for like two weeks. All right. I'm going to do my best to hang in there. The last, training camp, the last training camp I went to, I scared the people. Because I'm like, really? I, yeah, because I, I was finally able to train, you know, because I took off work. I trained like <laughs> I wanted to. <laughs> and it was mostly a cycling camp. And I'm like, we biked to the top of this mountain for like hours, right? The tallest peak in Spain. And then I go, okay, we're going to run now. <laughs> and they're like, you're crazy. And I'm like, I'm a triathlete, dude. We're yeah. going to run now. This is what we do. So, Why don't you... Why don't you come on the, the up the coast tour? You come out for a couple of days and do that whole thing with me. That'll be freaking half a day's work each day. That sounds cool. Let's yeah. do it. We'll, talk, we'll talk after the interview. We'll see, we'll see what's right. up. Okay, I'm here with Jeff Fairbanks of the Triumph Project. How do you like being introduced like that? You're of the Triumph Project. Now. I know. It's official. <laughs> we just uh, were talking before we started recording about creativity and... When we were younger, like crazy creative stuff we did. And what I'm looking at here is a movie that's being made. Would you call it a film? Yeah, I call it a film. A film. Is I that, like that better. Is that the more artsy term? I think so. I just yeah. I call it a project. Call it a project. About yeah. triathlon. And there's some pretty cool names in this. Uh, Dave Mira, for sure. And there's a little list that's scrolling here in front of me. Uh, Rachel McBride. She's really badass. Uh, and then, of course, there's a Jeff Fairbanks. I think you might know him. And then yeah. Jack Tolan. And um, so, this is a film project about triathlon that you're uh, trying to 
get done. So tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So, so yeah, exactly. The, the kind of premise of the whole thing is to, to showcase to people why we do this. You know, I've, I felt like, I felt like when I looked at it, thought it was crazy. And then now that I'm in it, people still think it's crazy. And I get asked all the time, like, you know, what, like, why are you doing this? You know? And, and I feel like everybody has a different reason, you know, and different answer to that mm-hmm. or whatever. But I feel like the best way for me to possibly hook other people into hook people that might've been like me, right? Like right. either thinking it's out of reach or in some ways I didn't think it was that cool, if you will, um, to, sh- to show them otherwise, you know, show them why we're doing this and, and, and she, and see the different reasons why this has changed people's lives and, and changed pathways that you may not have may never have thought of because I mean if you asked me a couple of years ago if I'd ever be doing this I mean I I would have laughed I yeah. mean just straight at you been like yeah me wearing spandex and you know run around no uh-huh. yeah no, last thing in my mind but but I really kind of want to <clears throat> above anything else like I've been wanting to inspire people and and motivate and and um and show people to kind of really kind of doubt yourself doubt because I felt mm-hmm. like that's kind of what I did you know I looked at this thing and thought like wanted to know anything about it like I said before, I was like, eh, I don't know if it's that cool, you know, me and spandex. And then I was like, ah, oh, then I, I can't even do it. You know, I was running my list of reasons why I can't do something. Yeah. And, um, and I just want to show people that like, if I can do this thing, you know, I, I guarantee there's so many people that, that are either in transition between things, trying to find something new, or maybe thinking they can't even do something. And, and I think this is something that can, you can either watch this and feel like, Hey, maybe I'm going to go do X, Y, or Z or, come out and toe the line with me, you know, come kick my butt. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's, 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 that's kind of the gist of it, but I'm sure we're going to get into more specifics, but right. The overarching well, theme. The, um, I had some moments of clarity recently cause you know, I've been doing this for 10 something years and I'm like, why do I keep doing the podcast? Right. And I'm, it, it hit me that the, the reason why is I see a world where more people are doing this and that it's not the mystery or the impossible thing that people think it is and the way to get more people doing it is to keep talking about like trying to explain like how to do it because once you get once you say it's not actually it's just uh it's just training and racing and um and and once you get some tips and advice it's actually a ton of fun and and uh yeah like making a film about it like you're doing can get that out there like we can get more people doing this and and uh build the community oh sure. yeah I, it, it's funny because i relate some of the stuff like as, especially feeling to me like when i had from coming from moto i felt like when i when i went and and would show up for like a <clears throat> for like a moto race whatever and you could get on all uh-huh. your gear right i kind of felt like a superhero i felt like one yeah i'm gonna tell you i didn't ride like one right <laughs> but yeah. like i felt hey i looked apart type of thing I felt like when I get my stuff and and cross that line that day, you know, two years ago, whatever, the, the, the first one I ever did, I mean, that was literally a week after swinging a leg off my dirt bike. I crossed that line and felt like such a bigger superhero, mm-hmm. you know, and that may sa- sound, I don't, I don't know if that sounds lame, but to me, it was like, it was that, that battle I won within myself. And I felt like that was the coolest thing about it, it was like, here are all these people, you know, like I'm lining up at all these things and. And coming from different sports past, you know, if you were in an air quote competition, you know, people, I felt like, you know, the first couple people that crossed the line, that's the people, you know, they got some cheers, they got some, 
you know, yeah, you did a great job, right? Mm-hmm. But here, I feel like it's sometimes it's the last people that get the loudest claps, you know, and people are yelling and motivating and everyone's so supportive. I mean, that really, to me, was something I was like, yeah, hey, each one of us is out here doing our own thing. We're doing our own race within a race. And I th- that, to me, was just, it just trips me out, you know, yeah. that that was there and that I was kind of so uh, maybe just blind to it. And I felt like there's got to be other... I mean, I know there's just other people out me, especially in the sports I came from, you know, MMA, moto, surfing and stuff like that. These people are guaranteed you can do the exact, probably better than how I can do it. So but if I got to get it to them, right? Let's talk about surfing for a second. You and I uh, were talking earlier about uh, you're from an era of uh, watching Fuel TV, which I love. Yeah. And also you mentioned something about surfing earlier. Are you the same Jeff Fairbanks that was in a surfing contest with Rob Machado and Sonny Garcia? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so wait a minute. I want to, I want to say Rob how Machado you, is like the coolest surfer ever. Dude, how I, did you even, how did you even, what did, I am, stalking? <laughs> I am a surfer. Stalking. I just don't surf that much since I got into triathlon, but I lived and breathed surfing for years. And let's see, Rob Machado came in first. Yeah. You came in third. Yeah. And Sonny Garcia came in fifth. So yeah. I know there's lots of surfing contests and who knows, you know, like the scoring, you know, who knows what happens that day, right? You get lucky and stuff. So you can't really claim that, you know, like you're consistently better than like Sonny Garcia or something. But mm, no. But you freaking beat Sonny Garcia. <laughs> well, you know, so what's contest. funny about that is, yeah, I got I got lucky, right? Um, there was something. So I've met Sonny a bunch of times. It's funny. Yeah. I, I've, I've had a couple conversations with him. I, there's a part of me that um, I'm going to make sure that him and I line up at some point in the project uh-huh. because it's full circle for him and I in, in a sense yeah. because I met him probably around 11, 12 um, Life's a Beach and uh, the No Fear guys, all if you remember that kind of time period, right? Yeah. Like Bubblegum and all that. Um, they Life. lived right across the street from Life's me. So a he, beach. Wait, how old yeah, are you? Do you remember Life's a Beach? And how old are you? I'm 37. Okay, cool. I'm an old man. I know. Uh, um, just like me. I'm just a tiny <laughs> bit older than you. Yeah, see? Yeah. We're brothers. Yeah. So they bring over Sonny Garcia, you know, and they're like, hey, um, Hey Jeff, come over and meet Sonny Garcia. And I'm like, what? He comes and signs my board. He signed, you know, on my on my board. And he's and I remember this thing he said to me. He's like, don't do drugs. That was what he said to me. Yeah, Just, straight up. Nice to meet you. Don't do drugs. Yeah, pretty straight yeah. up. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no problem. Waxed. I put wax over his uh, over his signature, and you know, I held on to that for years. So then, at that point, I wasn't really surfing. Uh-huh. I had a surfboard, if you will. Then got into it, right? And and then we wind up at this contest down in Encinitas. And we got out of the semifinal heat mm-hmm. and he walks up to me <clears throat> as we're exiting the water and he goes, you know, um, I'm just going to tell you something, man. How does it feel to beat the world champ? He was the world champion at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that was back in 2001 or something like that. And that to me is what I remember from that contest. Just the yeah. fact that he was someone that I kind of, I kind of idolized as a kid. Right. Yeah. And then I got to surf with him and yes, I got lucky. Um, and the waves are kind of crappy, so that kind of helped me. Um, but, but uh, the fact that he kind of just was like, "Hey, man, like, you, you like nice work out there." I was like, yeah. man, "That's a trip." And then I found out um, a, f- a few years or about a year into this, someone was like, "Hey, did you know Sonny? You know, yeah, he's Sonny's doing, doing Army Yeah, he yeah. did the cone, and I'm like, "Oh, come on!" Yeah. So I routed back to him, and he's like, "Hey, man, yeah, I'd love to 
but let's let's figure out a way we can hook up and so i'm like yeah, yeah that's, that's what happened to me is i moved uh back to central texas after living in san diego and i was surfing down at galveston uh and the waves there can be pretty good if you go when they're good but it's like a two hour drive two and a half hour drive to the beach and i grew up as a swimmer so i'm like well i'm gonna start swimming again so that i can um be in shape so that when i go surfing it won't be hard right because uh, I was surfing like every other weekend or something like that. And uh, okay. and that's about the most I could do. And if you don't surf very frequently, you know, it just tears your arms up. And uh, so I was swimming and then I got pulled into doing triathlon. People are like, you should do triathlon. And uh, so then I couldn't go surf as much because I'm out doing long bike rides, and yeah. which are just way more convenient and, you know, whatever. But every, every once in a while, I'll go surf and I just love it, man. The sur surfing taught me so much about not fighting things and going with the flow because you cannot beat the currents in the ocean, right? Right. So Galveston, the Galveston seawall jetties have this vicious rip current that goes out along the, right along the jetties. And um, they're awesome. So you hop on it and you let it suck you out and then uh, you just paddle sideways a little bit and then you're back where the waves are again and then you catch yep. them and then ride them in. And it's just this, and once you figure that out, then you figure out the whole cycle you figure out the cycle of the ocean, you figure out the cycle of life and how much easier it is. And, oh, you're waiting for sets to stop so you can paddle out, you know. Right. And, oh, man, dude. And it taught me so much about everything. And, uh, yeah, so that's what got me into, into doing triathlon with the right mindset, like what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah it, it was funny. I, I kind of felt like surfing for me, um, there was something that, that when a board, well, so I have a big fear of like open water swims, mm -hmm. um, mainly because I swim with my eyes closed. <laughs> yeah. So this yeah. is the, this is the truth. Yeah. We went out, you know, I did the first open water swim and, um, this woman's like, yeah, okay, we're going to go with this group, go out, you know, and here I am. I hear all this noise, this chatter. I look up, come up out of the water, you know, there's this boat with these two fishermen freaking out. A, a guy in the kayak's like, Hey Jeff, you're swimming a circle. And I'm like, what? He's, he's like, you swam a big, huge, like 360 back into the boat. And I, you know, I didn't know. And so I'm just so fearful of seeing in my head, this will sound goofy. I'm, a, I'm afraid of like seeing bodies and stuff. You know, I like yeah, have yeah. this vision of like dark water yeah. and all of a sudden there's some hand floating past me. Yeah. And silly as that is, I get, I spook myself out. So yeah. a, a way to kind of combat that for me is I keep my eyes shut and I only open them to sight or when I'm breathing. Right. right. I look up at the skyline, whatever. And, um, and for some reason I attribute that to my board. Like when mm -hmm. I was, you, you know, you'd be out there. Sometimes you're in deep water. Sometimes you're shallow reefs and stuff like that. You can always um, get up on the board a little bit. Yeah. I felt yeah. like that bit, there was a barrier and yeah. there's something about me feeling vulnerable without that there and being face down. Yeah. Um, that's been my thing I've had to overcome and you know, I'm kind of self-taught in this whole thing and, yeah. um, Hey, I've man. gotten better, but still As, not open the eyes. <laughs> I grew up, I grew up on water, swimming on water, living on not living on boats, but well, pretty much like weekends and lakes and oceans and stuff, dude. I hate water that I can't see in, and then touching something in the water. Yeah, that freaks me out, man. If there's like mm -hmm. a seaweed or a branch or a fish or something, yeah. Yeah. I lose I'm it. I'm getting dude. nervous right now just hearing you. Yeah. Talk about oh it. man. And I, what happens is, is when you can't see your brain. Uh, replaces the emptiness with imaginary stuff you know it's like a sensory deprivation tank yeah. right and you yeah. hallucinate and you're like did i just see something you know yeah 
body. Yeah, and it replaces it with whatever you're thinking of. And if you're afraid, then you're thinking of scary stuff. So you really think that you saw a hand, you know, or a shark. One, one time yeah. I was surfing in San Diego, and I, I went under with goggles on and kind of looked around because it, it was a summer day, you know, it was real flat. And I looked around, and out of the corner of my eye, I swore I saw like a huge shark, right? And then I just screamed underwater, which sounds funny. And then I <laughs> got back up on the board. I was on a big longboard and sat on it. And then I'm looking around, and I, I finally realized there was no shark. I imagined that. and um, But it was so real looking, right? And so I was like, holy crap, I could never do that again. I can't go underwater and look, you know, because the visibility in San Diego is not that far. It's like like right. 10 feet or something. Got to be pretty flat. So yeah. it's, like a, it's like a blackness, you know? And so my mind put a shark there, and it just scared the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. And, dude, you do, um, yeah, uh, Texas lakes are real murky, real murky. Visibility mm -hmm. of like six feet, uh, six inches. Like you can't see yeah. anything. Mm -hmm. And um, I was doing this swim where I was going around a marsh, you know. God knows what's in that marsh. You know what? You know what's in there? Snakes and stuff like that. It's got to be. You don't and wanna, bodies. Yeah, yeah. That's what I think of body. You don't want to touch anything. I just like it's so funny how I just like as as the as you get close to the shoreline, I slowly start to dip a hand down and, and try to feel something Ugh. as carefully as I can so that I can freak out. Like, and, oh my yeah. god. I get made yeah. fun of the most for my, my. Well, my I think it's a normal fear. Stuff, I agree with you, dude. It's really. Fear. I hope so. Yeah. I hope I'm not alone. But, well, let's talk about the movie. So the film. So how long do you think it's going to be, in minutes? Oh, um, so I'm aiming around the 40 minute mark. Oh, that's cool. Um, okay. To get everything done, and I'm still aiming for. Originally, we were aiming to have stuff done at the end of this year. Yeah. That was kind of the original plan. Um. We had some uh, Rachel hurt her foot. Hurt her foot. Um, yeah. We had, you know, some other people didn't kind of make make some of um, their goals, and so it's actually kind of it's been kind of nice because everything ramped up for me so fast. Uh -huh. You know, for I should clarify something to to, to anyone listening to this and all that. I, I feel like the biggest misconception I've heard from people is that I have this big crew behind me, <laughs> and and um, my crew is yeah. is actually it's you're talking to them, yeah, type of thing, and so. You know, to respond to people and do all these things, uh, uh, things kind of took off really quickly. And there was all these plans. I remember, I remember, kind of last uh, the beginning of last year. I was looking at everyone's schedule, like, okay, I was really race focused. Like, okay, I, I need to film this race and this race. And you know, Rachel was going to be like in Austria. You know, Dave's looking at like you know Kona. Mm -hmm. You know, Jack's over in Chicago. I'm thinking, this is. This is, you know, and also this is out of my pocket, right? So I'm yeah. thinking, uh, yeah, you know, homie, homie doesn't really play all that, all that hard here, <laughs> guys. You know, can we? You think maybe we can get like want to all go to Kona or something like that? Yeah. And so, a lot of that stuff kind of um, went went kind of, I don't want to say sideways, but just kind of went it went a different way. And so it's really allowed me to kind of like re. Um, Renavigate, if you will, and yeah. so I, I actually think it's been a really big benefit for me because I've been able to focus a lot more on some stuff like doing a little bit of things like like talking with you, which I appreciate so much, yeah. um, and talking to some other people and getting back to people, and um, it's actually had me kind of change my plan. Like originally, this this movie, um, the theme of it's not changed. The theme has always been why we do this, um, and to engage people with relatability. You know, I want to humanize yeah. the sport. And I want to humanize the people in it. Like for instance. 
you know, Dave is a superstar. McBride's, you know, such a badass, you know, yeah. someone that um, when I originally started, I was like, hey, Rachel, if you don't want to do this, like, I don't know if I don't know if I have anyone else for your spot. Like, it's kind of your spot. Um, and I've just been so humbled by the fact that they're, you know, they're willing to do this with me and take this on, you know, yeah. because um, there's a lot of hurdles, you know, just just like in a tri race, right? You know, and yeah. just like in life in general, right? But but I felt like it's been a, this blessing in disguise because we had this plan of like saying, okay, I'm going to showcase through through these different levels to these people, and and this is what you guys are going to see. I'm still showcasing these different levels and their pathways, but I was having that trickle down to people and I'm reversing that. I felt yeah. like I've had this time back and I've been thinking about a lot of things and I'm like, you know what? I felt like I was this odd man out like in this equation, you know, uh -huh. who, who am I? Why am I here? What am I doing? You know, I always thought my original place was like, okay, I'm, I'm the average Joe. I'm the guy that's got the family. You know, I got the wife, the kiddos. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to juggle job, this side project training, um, you know, how do I get it done? And I wanted to showcase to people that say, how do you do this? Well, this is how I do it, right? So yeah. if you want to tell me you're working and you can't go ride a bike at night, well, I'm working riding a bike at night while the kids are watching the show and working on this side project, right? So yeah. so beat that type. But, but no, but, but so I flipped it around in the sense of saying, okay, I'm looking at more of a perspective from my own, which is I'm looking at the tri-community. If I'm going to say that I represent a lot of people in the, in the backbone of the sport, the people that have jobs and, mm -hmm. and well, I should say this, people that aren't doing triathlon as a job, right? right? So they have their normal responsibilities. They're trying to fit this in as a hobby, um, whether it's competitive or not. I want that to be the voice of why we're doing this. And I want that to support the pathways that I'm showing for Dave, for Rachel, for myself and for Jack. And to me, that made the most sense. I'm thinking, okay, now here are people that are going to be submitting to me their reasons why. So my plan was, I want to have people submit to me their footage um, of why they're doing this and how it's changed their life. And that's going to segue and lace within the pathways that we're traveling. Dave qualifying for Kona, Rachel going for moving into long distance. You know, Jack's our, our, our freak of nature kid that's, you know, now in college, but he's the youth component that's just the face of the sport, right? I, uh -huh. like, I feel like this sport is seeing a lot of different people coming from alternative places. One of those being, I feel like the youth component. Right. Um, and I love that there's just, I, I just love showcasing that stuff to people that, that may not notice that and, and not have an understanding of why, why there is such a wide breadth, you know, like, Oh, you have to be young to do this work. No, not really. I'm, no, I think the not guy at that, all. that no. smoked me was nearly 60 years old and it wasn't, <laughs> he didn't just lightly pass me, yeah. you know? And so, and that's another thing that I'm not used to, you know, like surfing, you prime out, man. I mean, yeah. I was 24 years old looking at my main sponsor drop, you know, going under. And I took that as a sign. Like, I'm like, writing's on the wall. I got to figure something else out. You know, yeah. I went to school, you know, um, but I, I just feel like that's such a cool thing, you know, that you can have people not only wax me from all walks of life, but, but that you're not sitting there saying, well, like now I, I'm, I'm aged out, right? you, you know, you're really not. And, um. And so I felt like I've been so inspired by all these people and having this break between things, seeing all the Instagram stuff and the feedback I'm getting. And I'm like, you know what? You guys need to be the ones driving this film. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the reason for the change. And I think, I really think it's going to make a huger impact. I think people can relate to that a lot. And I think people will be engaged to, to want to submit their stuff. You know, I've, I, what I've noticed in the sport. Okay. So like Lance Armstrong said, that he tried playing different ball sports growing up. 
and he was okay, but he just wasn't very coordinated, you know, so he wasn't very good. But, you know, endurance sports are just kind of straight line, and you don't have to be wicked fast to do long-distance triathlon, right? They're not running four-minute miles for a marathon. Like, mm -hmm. you know, they're not trying to break a two-hour marathon. They're trying to do – you can win Kona with a 240, right? Hey, are you there? What? Yeah, what happened? You didn't like my story. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, the, it, I don't know. We were living in a new house, and the internet drops out every once in a while. It's just oh, okay. We got super high-speed internet, and then all of a sudden, no internet for like five seconds, and then it'll kill it. Um, the uh, I, I was saying, you, you don't have to be like crazy fast, right? People are winning Kona with a 240 marathon which is nowhere near the world record right right i mean it's not even close it's ridiculous right these people would not be competitive in the olympics in the marathon at all <laughs> right um but so you don't have to be like super super fast you just have to be good and at training and finding the time and uh and so what you have is people in the sport that come from a wide variety of backgrounds who are you know, we're maybe kind of athletic or kind of want to try being athletic because just as being a human, you're already a, an endurance machine, right? Humans are the fantastic endurance athletes just straight out of the box with mm. with minimal talent. We're already, we can outrun horses, you know, run them into the ground and stuff. So if you, um, you'll find these people pick up triathlon that did other sports, you know, and then they age out of the other sport or get injured right. out or they get bored, you know, or like I, I moved, you know, too far away from the ocean and then I, I found something to do. And then, yeah, so you have all these crazy stories of how people got into triathlon and then they can do it the rest of their life, which is right. amazing. Yeah. Right. And I've, and, and too, for me, it was like, you know, something that I felt kind of astounding was like, I've never had a direct, a direct output that, that kind of impacted yeah. what I did. So, you know, to, like bringing up the surfing thing, you know, I relied on a lot of variables there to fall into my way, right. right? Like I could have the best bag of tricks in the world, but if that wave doesn't come my way and you yeah. and I are in a competition, it's not going to matter, right? Yeah. Whereas I feel like in this sport, like I, I actually see a direct reflection of my, exactly. my input as my output. Yeah. And I've, I just, I haven't had that before. And I think that was one of the things that really hooked me was that I use, I'm, I, look, I'm not like a competitor. I'm not really good. Let's, let's all just call it like that. Okay. Um, but, but, but I have a desire to enter in these races and I get so nervous, man. I remember like even fighting, like even in MMA and even, even practicing for moto when you'd like, it's not even a, it's not even a race, but they just say, Oh, let's practice starts. And you line up. And I, I hear that. I, I get that same, that same like, mm -hmm. uh, nervousness when I'm like, look, I'm not even here telling the line to think like I'm going to be in the top. I'm right. not trying to win this thing. Right. But I'm nervous. Like I am like this yeah. inner competition. And I, I think I'm that way because I can use these things as at, more as like a barometer. Yeah. You know, like I get to feel this check-in point where I, I think, okay, I've been doing this training for now, you know, however long, right? Yeah. And have I gotten any better on the bike? What was my average? Now, keep in mind, you can go to different courses and different things. But uh -huh. for what I like is like I can go back to, for example, Naples. I raced Naples my first half ever. I've done two in my life mm -hmm. or in my, I should say, my triathlon life. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, I did it there and I can go back there and that course is there for me. The yeah. road's there for me. And whether it's raining or not, we're all dealing with it. And I, I've just, that's been such a, such a benefit to me to have that, to know that like I can sit here and work harder and see something right. versus surfing. It's like, I worked hard all week and that's great. I didn't get the waves. Fantastic. I'll, I'll go home. Yeah. Yep, didn't make the money round, you know? Yeah. I, I've done one surfing contest and came in dead last and I drove two hours to get there, you know? And I was <laughs> was like, anybody clapping for you when you came in last place? Were they no, like, my brother-in-law hey man, was there and he doesn't like surfing and he just, he was like, well, that was a waste of your time, wasn't it? And I go, well, at least I got a shirt and it doesn't say on the, on the shirt that I got last. It said I was in a surfing contest. So I just, <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, I could say I was in one one time, not, you know? That's, yeah, that's but, true. I know. And I feel like there are some people too that like for this sport, right? They might want to bucket list it, right? I feel yeah. like I've noticed there are some people that say like, I'm going to do this. They think this is crazy. I'm going to do this one time uh -huh. or they go the other way where they're like, I did one and this is it, man. And that's, uh -huh. that happened to me. I yeah. sold, I sold my dirt bike a week later and here's something that was like, you know, all tricked out. Yeah. I was super psyched on it and I get something that doesn't have a motor you know, nothing fancy that I got a pedal. And I'm like, what the hell? I thought moto was expensive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like frick. But but so anyhow, I, I you know, I, I kinda wanna I wanna show a little bit of that too is like um but that's a that that there's a lot of different layers to it, you know, like you don't have to do the long distance, you know, you can do sprints and super sprints and yeah. And um a lot of that stuff's really fun. The action comes in. I mean my wife this is the first sport I've done. You know, I started, like you mentioned, Lance. I, I started in that traditional sense where my parents threw me in soccer and baseball forever. Yeah. You right. know? Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm done. Um, and this is the first sport for me that I want to say is wife approved, you know? I yeah. leave the house and she's like, yeah, see you in like, you know, going for an hour run. Perfect. See you later. Because when I did moto and surfing, you said two and a half hours. It was two and a half hours from, from, from Seattle to the coast. And if I went moto... Uh, I'm gone all day. Yeah, you know, and then yeah. you know if I get hurt, you know, then she's really not, she's really not pumped. You know, you're on the right. couch, sitting that, up on your knee. My wife's the same way. My wife actually knocked out a half Ironman. She went and trained for one and did one one time. You know, see, and I got it. Yeah, so like your whole family can do it. I was at a triathlon one time where a granddad, his daughter, and his grandson were all in the same race together. That's badass. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe I'm going to get, uh, maybe I'll inspire my kiddos to come do that stuff. But yeah, it's, uh, well, tell me yeah. more about the layers. Like you're saying, and how are you going to, how are you going to try to show them in the film? Like, what are some of your ideas in the film? Yeah. Where so people, people need to go see your, um, your trailer that you've made. It is awesome. <laughs> oh, thanks. Man. Yeah. It's yeah, really, really cool. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. For those that haven't seen it for sure, for sure. Check it out and give me some feedback because, um, I'll hear it <laughs> just me. Uh, so be gentle if it, um, yeah. but yeah, so some of the layers, I, I kind of came up with a really cool idea that, um, well, I want to say I kind of, I'm, um, modifying an idea, but one way for me is, as I was saying before, I kind of felt like lost as, as far as my place in the film mm -hmm. kind of, I couldn't, you know, everyone else kind of has these plans like, and I don't, I don't have a plan. My plan was to do the project, right? And right. originally I thought, well, I'm just going to be the bridge that like trains with, I'll train with Dave and I'll train with Rachel and I'll train with Jack. And then I'm going to showcase my living mm -hmm. to then, sh 
to show kind of the differences between all of us and the relatability factor. But I'm like, it doesn't really give me like a path. I'm just kind of like, I'm just kind of like connecting things. Yeah. And so I had heard about this guy, um, and you may have too, but the James Lawrence, you know, the iron cowboy. Oh yeah. 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 So, you know, he did that 50 States and 50 irons, 50 days yeah. type thing. Which which I thought was crazy. Instantly after that, everything I ever have done or want to do just sounds stupid. <laughs> you know, well, so, I go out so and do a self-supported Ultraman and I'm like, who cares when somebody has gone out and done 50 Ironmans in a I row? He did a self-supported, I, I remember he did a self-supported Ultraman as training yeah. You know, for his thing, when he was getting ready for that. I mean, and, homie is a beast. That's right? nuts. Yeah. And crazy. And, but I saw that and I was like, you know what? Like I've heard, I heard the second I came up with this idea and I'll tell you what, what made me want to do this, this project. But, uh-huh. but I kind of watched what he did. I, I saw it at the very tail end of what he was doing. Yeah. And I was like, you know, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. You know? Um, and I've kind of always just. I've always kind of just been a little bit crazy. I mean, I always liked extreme sports. I kind of, you know, I was the guy that, like, you went snowboarding, like, I was the one that's going to fall. Like, yeah. the biggest jump, I gotta, Jeff will go do that one, you know, type of thing. <laughs> uh, never the never the best, right? But just yeah. willing. You find um, your own specialty. Within. <laughs> I found my niche, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, you know what? I really liked kind of how he how he engaged with the community and in the way that he did that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, by no means, am am as badass as he is, but, but I'm, I came up with this idea that I'm going to go up the coast, um, here on the East coast, I'm going to go to a different city for about 21 days and I'll do half iron, um, distances for the three weeks. Um, okay. Like every day or every other day? No, every day. Every day. Half iron man. Yep. And I'll have people come out and, um, well I should say, hopefully I'll have people come out and and join me at some points. I'll help you get those people. Yeah, dude, I love it. Yeah. Come on out, bring it. Yeah. Um, and and basically that's that was one way that I was going to showcase some life stories. As I wanted to have, um, I'm working in conjunction with a buddy that helped me. Um, he's from New York. That is going to help kind of triage some of the filming stuff for when I'm out there, but also mm-hmm. for some of the people that want to show up, they can showcase some of their stories, you know. Yeah. Um, and we can actually get that filmed. So while we're doing that, because. Um, I thought that would be a really cool way and we'll work our way up towards work our way up towards Dave, you know, I'll have Rachel come out and all that stuff. So I'm kind of hoping that that's, that's the seam of stuff that's sewing the paths together yeah. and that's getting me away from being so race focused because I feel like the race is the result and that's, mm-hmm. and that's cool. I think in some ways for me to see, but, but the reality is, is the basis for me to do this whole thing was like when I watched those Iron Man. um, the Iron Man videos, you know, when they do the championships, I'm not drawn to the fact of who they're following as the leader. I'm drawn by the fact of the things that they're showcasing as being the stories within the stories that are just supporting the paths of the guys that won or yeah. the things that are doing their thing. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, that's that's my message. In two years or um, a year ago, I've been doing this for a year now, right? Yeah. I, I watched one night, my wife and I, See, I seg- I'm segueing into this nice little uh, how how this came to be, right? Yeah, okay. I'm trying. I don't want you to have to ask me a bunch of questions. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, so we're sitting there one night. We call, I come home and my wife's like, yeah, "Let's watch a movie." I'm like, "Yeah, let's do this." And she's like, "There's no really movies to watch after we've been fumbling around on Apple TV." And and she's like, "Well, why don't we watch this documentary on a tiny house?" 
I'm like, what? Yeah. I don't, no, I don't want to watch a documentary on a tiny house. She's like, come on, it's only a dollar. I'm like, eh, all right. Yeah. So we watched this documentary. And the premise is real simple. It's just a dude that, you know, some homie wants to build his little house on a on, on trailer and he wants yeah. to go drive to some property and live there, right? Right. Never built one and he's like, I'll do it in the summer. Yeah. And lo and behold, it took him over a year. And the beauty of what he did was that he wasn't a filmer guy and he wasn't a construction guy. He was Googling all sorts of stuff on how to do things, but he showcased his failures and he showcased all these different people in the tiny house community that had changed their lives and why they're doing it. And I watched that documentary. We got done with it. And I said, that's the gap I see in triathlon. I felt like when I was in surfing, it was all top down. So you showcase the best stuff, the best pros, you know, Uh and said, you want to do this. And I felt like I saw that when I came into triathlon and realized really quickly, like, you know, this idea that this isn't for me, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'd see these movies about these like top end people going, I can't, I don't have 40 hours a week to do this. Right. You know, like I got a family, I got stuff to do. And plus like, I I tried to run a marathon once that sucked. You know, (laughs) I don't know if I could do that after ride a bike. You're right. Like that was just all my, my thinking. And so I felt like, I watched that documentary and I was like, this is, this is what I'm going to do. And, yeah. and I mean, my wife's like, you're, you're crazy, you know? And I heard this from people like, you're crazy. This is, you're not a filmer. I'm like, I know, but there's so many things I'm not. And I feel like it's not always about knowing everything, right? Uh-huh. I just, I, it's about figuring it out. Right. Yeah. Like, and so, so I, I started off and I'm like, you know what? I really want to showcase through levels why we do this. And I had heard, it was the funniest thing. I heard from a, from a, from this guy that was in the industry. He's like, you know what? I don't get it. Uh, he had done a documentary. Some of these people had some film experience. I don't, I'm uh-huh. very open about that. Um, and he goes, I don't get it. I don't think it's going to fly. I think it kind of, I don't want to say it's stupid, but, um, I think you need to have like a, a purpose or whatever. And I'm like, oh, frick man. And so months go by, you know, I'm thinking, man, should I just, Am I, am I crazy? You know, like yeah. this people aren't going to get it, whatever. And all of a sudden I get a text from this guy, same guy. He goes, Hey man, Iron Man just changed. Uh, they're just pushing out this, this, um, message they're doing called why we try keep going with what you're going. And that to me was like kind of an validation, a, a validation point. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm sticking to course. And so that's what I've been doing since then. And, um, and I've just sort of stopped listening to it's not that I don't listen to people, but I've had some people kind of when I first started going, they were trying to tell me how to do things and, and really trying to direct me in a path that felt weird. Yeah. Um, you know, things like don't, 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 don't be personal on this thing. Like, like uh, on the Instagram account, don't be, don't be you be a company, be professional. And oh, yeah, like, I am being professional, you know, <laughs> I mean, like, what are you talking about? And, and, and it was like, the funny thing was, is when I tried to be behind this mask of like uh-huh. the trying project it wasn't people didn't take to that and the second i broke down that that barrier which i wanted to do from the beginning you know it was like all of a sudden the floodgates opened up and it's not like i'm popular or anything like that i i never have been don't know that i will be but but people are at least relating to me in the sense of like there's interaction there's engagement you know i get messages and stuff and i just feel like that's that's keeping me going you know those people are motivating me you know talking to you and stuff like that is it's um it's keeping me going because it's an uphill battle, man. Yeah. Like, well, you know what? While you were describing that, it's something that came to me. So you, we've got all this stuff where it's already been done a lot, and nothing 
nothing against people that are doing this because I'm a big fan of it too. Um, but like uh, uh, Iron Cowboy, you know, 50 Iron Mans in 50 days, right? And they've got a goal. And uh, Luke Tyberski, who's been on the show and going to be on the show again, um, up the coast of Southern Europe in, uh, I think it was 12 days or something like that. And basically they're, and um, Scott Jurek running the Appalachian Trail. Right? Yeah. Is, yep. Right, trying to break a record. Well, they're doing so much every day, all, literally all day, that there's no time for that. Unfortunately, it has to be all about them, not in a negative way, but to keep them alive like, and to keep going. That person that has all this passion that's wanting to do this doesn't have time to, to film. The person with the passion doesn't have time to document and film the layers, like what you're talking about, of yeah. what makes the sport come alive, right? So the guy that was building the small home trailer, because he took a little bit longer, uh, he was able to document the whole thing, right? Right, and then, right. And then bring it to people, right? So if you're going up the East Coast and you're just doing a half Ironman every day, and then hopefully, like if it's bad weather and it's like not looking good for people to come out, maybe just don't do it that day because you're, yeah. not, you're not saying I have to do... You know, like like the fifty Ironmans in fifty days, or else it doesn't count, right? You could say, well, you're going to try to do a half Ironman every day, but the whole point really is to get people out through the half Ironman right. every day. Right. And then we can showcase the why, not to hop on Ironman's thing, but the why they try kind of thing, and really learn and show like all the different people that are doing triathlon, because you're not going to be doing it yourself all day long and necessarily right. every day when you need to document and film when you need to do the extra steps to make sure this stuff is done right you're available to do it right yeah, yeah. it's the journey not the destination right and i yeah. feel like you're absolutely right I, I it's about getting them out there i'm not i don't have some you know world record that i'm trying to go after i don't I, you know i'm yeah. not i'm not tra i'm not training for that to be honest yeah. with you that thing freaks me out. I, you know, I'm kind of sitting here going like, I hope, I hope I can do it. I, I feel like I hope the people come, I hope people do come out to help motivate me to do it because yeah. I've used, it's funny, man. I get these, I get, it trips me out this whole thing because I'll tell you this. I was at a, at a much different level in surfing. Uh -huh. Um, and I, I've, I've never, I've never really gotten <laughs> much support you know uh like i was telling you it was a really cool thing that sunny said to me back in the day but you know those were few and far between and i feel right. like here i am kind of looking at this this sport and i'm kind of this nobody um and i just have this idea and this thing i want to do and and there's i, I mean look i'm talking to you and uh -huh. and all you know like there's dave and there's rachel just the, just all the different people i see like mainly on these social accounts like and especially so many i've met from the social accounts mm -hmm. it blows my mind man to have people like kind of have your back like that that that's helped me in these times when i felt like you know six months ago i parted ways with the guy that was helping um help helping me film and you know i didn't know it was going to happen you yeah. know and um well, the, and the, it's just it's helped me the trap the triathlon culture attracts uh, successful people <coughs> uh, that love a challenge and they can be from all different incomes, all different places in life. But it is a, I noticed when I did, when I started doing triathlons that 
you could leave your stuff out, you know, and no one's going to steal your stuff. Mm. And you're like, whoa, this is a different group of people. These are, <laughs> these are people that are real, they're good people, you know, and they want to, they want to see each other succeed, you know, so yeah. it's not hard to find like really enthusiastic people that want to help you get your thing done because in, because we can't do everything, right? I can't do what you're doing right now, but I can kind of live through you, right? Right. And so I can support right. you. And then when you when you do it, then I feel like I had a part in it, right? And right. then um, and this, so I think after a while we all kind of figure out our little niches of, you know, we can only do this and that and the other, but this other person we know can do that, and then we can help them, and then we're all like better for it. Right. So, you know. It's, it's so funny you like you bring up something like that and I've had this like I've, I've had an even crazier idea I was like you know what's you know what's crazy to me like I almost wonder if if I did have enough if I did have enough outreach like if if enough people knew about what I'm doing and and like who I am and what I'm doing right uh -huh. not 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 to become something but I'm almost so tempted to be like you know you only need to know and get in contact with a few people like I almost feel like I almost could like outsource this thing to the community. Like, uh -huh. why don't we just do this thing together? And I, I'm almost curious, like, I'm almost curious if that would work. I thought you'd be your next I'm, project. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, like, yeah, literally instead of, instead of people saying like, okay, like Jeff's doing all these things. Like I would be like, okay, you know, cameraman Johnny over here is a try guy and his job is this. And he says, I'm coming on the East coast tour and filming. And you're yeah. like, Sounds good. I mean, just, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. stuff like that, because with the way things have gone, like in the people that I've met so far, uh, that wouldn't surprise me. How about that? You know? And so, yeah, anyhow, I, sorry, just made me I, think about that. I outsource stuff on Twitter all the time with, uh, because they're all, all my friends on Twitter are triathletes, right? Mm. But I'll be like, Hey, just the other day I said, I cannot figure out how to program this thing in Python. Anybody know how to program? Is there any python wizards out there and all of a sudden everybody's like trying to help me you know yeah and it's yeah. this really weird community of uh of, but see um, you're famous man see how you got oh, that no, like, no. <laughs> what i think twitter is like uh hey well, congratulations uh triumph project jeff uh, you have 100 followers i'm like <laughs> <"Woo -hoo -hoo." laughs> well i've been doing this a long time uh, uh, but uh, the um the other thing i was going to say you're uh filming from the trailer, I can tell you've got a unique filming angle, like I, and yeah. that that definitely, man, I used to I love watching Fuel TV, and that comes from you you watched action sports documentaries, right? So these snowboarding, yeah. surfing, skateboarding, um, what moto, um, what other, what kind of stuff did the Fuel TV's changed names though? What are they now? Yeah, they're grind. Grind. Now they're grind TV. Um, but yeah, all that stuff, the snowboard and the skating. Um, I watched a lot of stuff, like a lot of the X Games and things like that, you know, when, oh. when like, actually went back when Dave was doing his yeah. stuff. And, Downhill mountain biking. Um, yeah, a lot of the mountain biking. And, yeah. Um, and, and there's just something about, like, I mean, this might sound, I don't <clears throat> trying to make this sound like in a nice way, but, like, this is, this is kind of really how I felt. And this is just my opinion. The first time I walked up to a triathlon event, you know, I felt like I walked into a very vanilla scene. Uh -huh. Okay. Like, like I thought this isn't me uh -huh. this, or this isn't for me. Like, ah, I'm not going to finish. Like I got a full sleeve of tattoos and stuff. Like I want to say that I was colorful for that environment. Right. 
my hat died. Like my hat doesn't look like their hat. I'm not, you know, and it's no, it's not, it's, it's no offense to that. I'm just saying for me coming in, I felt like I I was a little bit colorful for it. And I felt like that's, that's how people remember me. But at the same time, that's my flair. That that's, that's kind of what I feel like I want to inject into this. And that's my hope is that if I can get, if I can inject a little bit of that colorfulness into yeah. this project by the way of just looking at it a little different, like, cause here's the straight thing about it. I don't want to see you like, I don't want to see you running up a hill. I, this to me, like film you running straight up a hill. Like, yeah. you know, that that's boring to me. Right. Like right. I, I remember hearing something, um, or I think you and I were talking earlier, maybe you're like seeing you in a pool going back and forth, you know, like, mm, yeah, no thanks. Just one, right? part, one person alone in a pool doing yeah. freestyle at half speed. is kind of like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's for me. Like, I don't, I want people to think to this thing. I want there to be an edge to it. Yeah. And that's kind of where we did. We had, and it was funny, like some of the things I get, like, like I was telling you, I don't have any film experience. Right. But, but I do a lot of moto stuff. I like a lot of the um, there's actually a couple of cool snowboarding stuff. Like Red Bull does a lot of cool oh, things. GoPro has yeah. some cool stuff, um, where you can see that there's just a different way you set something up and it changes the whole, the whole look of it. Like you could still be running that same street, but where you're at, where the viewer's eye is, uh-huh. you know, and you know, especially with some of the drone stuff, you know, like, like, like I got a buddy here right now. I'm, I, um, I'm in Florida he's got one of those DJIs, which is like the gnarly, you know, the phantoms uh-huh. and those things, even just hovering. Like if you think someone's like putting a camera here, but the second you start moving and that thing's moving with you, it's a whole other, yeah. you know, some people might say it's played out or whatever, but I still think that stuff's badass, man. I'm kind of like, yeah. gosh, it just looks so cool to like, to do different angles like that. And to give the viewer something to think that, Look, this is a badass sport. That's how I feel yeah. now being here. I don't want someone to walk up to me and be like, Mr. Vanilla Triathlon guy. Like, no, man. Yeah, Come the on. sport is it, – it, there's a lot of vanilla people in it. So it's actually uh, people like you stand out really quickly and then get a lot of attention because everybody loves, everybody trusts and loves one another, you know. So it's not like you they'd be looking at you with a stink eye. They look at you with like, <laughs> like uh, hey, who's that guy? You know, um, uh, AJ Balco. You know, gets into the yeah. sport, punk rocker, sleeve tattoos. All of a sudden, everybody's like, wow, who's that guy? You know, and yeah. it's like, dude, there's a million guys like that. But he really stands out because most people are, are plain compared to that, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just I just want to reach out to people kind of like, like I hope, like my hope in this whole thing, this is just a passion project, right? Mm-hmm. Like this isn't, this is like out of my pocket, like, you know, stressing me out, you yeah. know, like the whole nine. But to me, like, to, to reach out to someone like, you know, who might've been in where I was or to hear from someone, even, even if someone doesn't even want to do, um, you know, something to my extent or whatever, but to hear that something they've related to it and it's motivated them to do something different that they didn't think they could do, then I feel like such a win, man. If I could get one of those at the end of this, man, that's, that's, that's just so much to me because, there was a point in time when I first started this, like I told you, my wife thought I was crazy, right? And wow. halfway halfway going through this thing, I've, I've filmed the trailer twice. Mm-hmm. So I've had two of these things come close to fruition and then not work out, right? And so yeah. the second one comes through and we, and I remember the day I saw it and I'm like, okay, ready? You know, like um, her nickname's Toad. Uh-huh. It's my wife's nickname because it used to be totally Talia and it was just too long to say. So now she's my Toad. And um, I'm like, hey, Toad, like... Uh, 
are you ready to see this? She's like, okay, whatever. You know, not like super excited, but yeah. kind of like excited for me type yes. of a thing. She's excited for you. Yeah. Because you're excited. Yeah. yeah. And so we put it on there <laughs> and she almost, it, she almost got teary. She goes, it's I It's really get it. good, dude. It's really good. I don't know. It's so weird to hear that. I thank yeah. you, man. But like, but I so that you... to me was like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm doing I think, this. I think you're so used to working on it and you're so used to the high quality of stuff like on Fuel and GoPro TV. Well, no, not GoPro TV is not very good. It's just, That's just random stuff. But like um, Red Bull, right? So yeah. Fuel and Red Bull that you're trying, dude, like it's, it's really good. And I was telling you off air, like the timing on some of your stuff is fantastic. Like it, look, you know what you're doing. It, I thought you'd been doing, I, that's just talking to you now is the first time I, I knew that you hadn't been doing this for years. I assume from what I saw that you've been doing this 20 years, 15, no, 20 years of film uh, editing. So no, no it's that no. good. Well, let's talk people about helping me. Let's talk about a uh, timeline and uh, where people can get in touch with you. So what's yep. what's coming next, and uh, what are you seeing the, in the future, and like a time of, of things get moving along? Yeah, yep, you bet. Um, so the plan right now is that um, most of the stuff is happening next year. So this is kind of some 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 downtime, but the beginning of things will begin in the spring of 2016. Okay. And so all that stuff is logistics right now, which seems like oh, it may not be a lot, but it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so for us, that will kind of start there. And I'm hoping if all goes well, um, it could end there near, um, near midsummer okay. and we could actually have this thing be ready before I originally had planned to have it done around December. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if all goes well in there, we can get a lot of our stories and stuff like that, that we could be done by midsummer. Okay. And so <laughs> the way that people can, can hit me up is, you know, Inst- like I primarily use Instagram, but um, the email for me is info at the triumphproject.org um, or just on, you know, DM the Instagram, the handles, uh, the triumph project. So at the triumph project. Right. And like I said, Twitter, I don't, the triumph, it's, I think it's the triumph Proj, but there's like hardly anyone follows on that side. Yeah, well, let's change that. Gotten, let's get people on there, man. I haven't gotten the recipe for that, but yeah. But um, then I also got a Facebook there, so you can either hit me up. Just Jeff Fairbanks is my is my personal one, and there's also one for the Triumph Project. But I I, I try to pride myself on responding. Um, so unless I get flooded with something, I'm usually pretty yeah. good about getting back to it. Yeah. So okay. anyone, yeah, down any anything to help or or any ideas, I'm always down to collaborate and try to find some stuff. You know, um, anything to try to help spread the burden, you know, Yeah. <laughs> if anyone's spread looking the to, burden. <laughs> to, to be dangerous, let's go, let's yeah. rock this thing out. But then also, man, you know, it's, um, we've been, I've been doing stuff too, where like, I've been having people help me like making some stuff like, um, like, like recently I've been making some project hats. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've set it up at cost. I don't do it. There's a company that does it and it's people have been doing that too. Um, yeah. they've been getting them. I think they're like 10 or 12 bucks or something. And, and then I always share those photos. Like it's, crazy to me to be like i don't know who gets hats i don't handle any of that stuff um and it doesn't do money for me or nothing like that it just literally tries to get the name out and it's a trip dude on like the social stuff when i start seeing people like yeah i got my project hat like i'm rocking i'm like holy i mean there's some like legit legit dudes (laughs) like and and chicks that have some of these hats and stuff and uh i'll do my best I'm, i'm gonna try to order some myself and i'll try to send you one um but like man it's uh it, it's so humbling, dude. And so I thank you so much for just for uh, for, for listening to me and having me on and, and talking to me, man. It means a lot. Oh, so man. Thanks. Well, yeah, you'll get humbled real quick. 
uh, working out <laughs> with Dave and Rachel. I know yeah, that for yeah. sure. And who's the yeah. other guy? The young guy? Who is Jack? That? Yeah, Jack Toland. Um, Jack Toland. He yeah, he's he's to be on the lookout. Put it this way: he did his first, he did his first Ironman um, in Arizona, and he walked with a nine thirty. Wow. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get it, dude. I, he's he's a trip. <laughs> I don't know. Like, put it this way: so Rachel, like, so I've trained with them all. They're all way gnarlier than I am, right? Yeah. But I, it is. All I can do to be in the draft of yeah. some of these people. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just, they're like, okay, we're going to do some race pace. And I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, <laughs> sounds good. You know, like, okay. and I'm in there and I'm freaking sweat. And I'm just like, yeah. this is bullshit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. this is freaking crap. So, yeah. So, anyhow, you um, be on the lookout for that stuff. And, you know, obviously, I'll be following the path to of the stuff. Like, I know we kind of talked more about the side about what I was doing, but, you know, Dave's taken taking such a huge stride going to qualify for Kona and not taking the golden ticket. You know, Rachel's transitioning over into long course kind of coming from yeah, this is some, some really good, good stories stuff, so. right there. Yeah. It's cool, man. And then, yeah. And so, and then who knows who we're going to get from the community. Yeah. You said you're going to come out there, so we'll get yours too. I might have to. Well, I was going to go to Bahrain and then things didn't work out. And I got a little bit of a foot injury. I'm trying to, I'm trying to. Now uh, you'll be my speed. Come with Fairbanks. Let's do this. And uh, so Fairbanks, Florida, is that where you're at? <laughs> no, I'm in uh, I'm in Vero Beach, Florida. Vero, okay. Um, Fairbanks, what? Where, where Fairbanks, is... that's that. See you. See you. Look at uh, I'm uh, our now. Now I'm sad. What? Jeff Fairbanks. Oh, Fairbanks. No, I thought you said. <laughs> I thought you were saying that was a place. It is a place in Alaska, but I know. I was like, what? <laughs> There's no track line going on <laughs> if, there. If I owned that, then we'd be. This project would be done already, right? Yeah. But. But yeah, no, I was saying just come on out. If you have an injury, injury, then I might be able to keep up with you, and then you could come out and we could do some training. Cool. I haven't been I'm also open to that too. Like for anyone listening, stuff. You guys want to hit up some training, man? I'm out here, and and I think I'll be out here all winter. So all hit winter. me up somehow, and we'll do this. Yeah, central right. central state in Florida. Is your you whole know, family kind of there Atlantic with you? Side. Yeah, everyone's here. Oh man! So we're doing our thing. I'm doing doing my work and doing this stuff and trying to keep up with guys like you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know, dude. I try to keep up with my own mind of what I can do. <laughs> just such a trip. I, I yeah. just, my worst disciplines always, has, my Achilles heel has been the bike, man. So I've been trying to focus so hard to not, to not be so terrible. And I got like, I got freaking fat legs. I felt like, what are they good for? You know? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely nothing because it's not helping me for. You should do, um, have, you, have you gotten on Zwift yet? The video game? No. Do you have a power meter on your bike? I got a uh, I got a kicker that I use primarily. It's okay. Why does it work? Yeah, yeah. Work with that? So Zwift is vi- is a video game, and it's really it's very realistic. And there's a leaderboard, and you're you're riding all the time with people from all around the world. I'm about to get on it in a few minutes. Like and a Strava with avatars or something. May it's majorly realistic. It's very cool, and the faster you pedal, the faster you go on the on the game. Okay. And uh, your computer picks up your power meter signal, or if you got a kicker, you're riding this course, and it'll slow you down and speed you up based on the terrain. Okay. And um, it's a tropical island that you ride around, and uh, you can see people coming up behind you, and you can elbow people if you want. All right. What's your What's your username? Let's do this. Zentrathlon.com. All right. I'm on there. And uh, but dude. What's crazy is it's like you know how you like on an easy day you should not work out with other people, especially other guys. 
<laughs> right? Well, this shit is going on 24-7, dude, all around the world. Okay. So you hop on. Everybody has their country flag on next to their, where okay. they're from. So if you hop on early in the morning, there's like all of Asia is on this thing. And you're racing against all these people. Australia, you know. And then... Um, uh, you can message other people while, while you're going. It's like it's oh, crazy. So you can talk. You can talk. You a can bunch talk. Of you and... see where you are on the course versus other people, and uh, there's sprint finishes and there's hill climbs with the banners at the top, 100 meters, you know, to the fin 300, 200, 100, and um, you end up. You get on there going. I'm just going to ride easy, you know. I just want a little bit of motivation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then holy shit, did you just destroy your legs because this one a-hole past you like climbing the hill and you're not going to take it you know and uh so you got to be careful you got to ride it like only three times a week but if you ride zwift three times a week that's your three hard workouts and yeah you'll improve your bike watts like make big time everybody says it's it's working for them it's incredible zwift huh yeah All zwift right. no i'm i'm down yeah. yeah i'm into it send me any tips too for uh for anything else like that, I'd be down for that anytime. Oh yeah, no problem. And then let me know when you're out here, so then I can really, really start ramping stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> Once I get your username, passing me a bunch on that game. I know it, it, You'll know when I'm ready if I could. If I if I uh, if you get an elbow from Fairbanks coming up on the side yeah. of you or something, you'll be, be like, "That's it, damn it! I'm going to Florida." If you get on there, you'll be Jay Fairbanks. Okay. There. Yeah. All right. Look for me then. Yeah. Everybody else will look for me on there too. <laughs> you'll like it, dude. Oh, I'm I, I'm already like it. I think I'm gonna love it. Yeah, cool. All well, right, thanks for being it. on the uh, on the on the show, and let's stay in touch. Yeah, man. And let's see sure. if we can get me out to Florida, man. That'd be kind of fun. Absolutely, yeah. I'd be pumped. Oh, bring man. it. You got me. Is there room for me there? What are we gonna do? Yep. Yeah. Uh, we got. Yeah, we got our house. My in-laws' house. There's plenty of room. How close cool. are we to the beach? Walk to the beach. Two blocks. Oh, we can surf some. Yeah, we can surf Sebastian, or we can go down towards Fort Pierce. Both are both are easy. Oh. Ride ride up to Sebastian, come back down. Um, that's a good that's a good ride. Run all the way up and down A one A, and if well, it gets if it's really cranking, we can get some dumpy little barrel spots right in town, which is like we can walk there. What's it like? What part of Florida is this? Your Vero Beach. Yeah. So it's it's you know Atlantic side, but it's about center of the state, um, and I, we're on the little barrier island. You know the barrier. There's like yeah. a barrier island. I've got lots of family in Orlando. Well, come on, that's like an hour and a half. Let's yeah, fly like, in there. We'll come get you. There's even a Blankner military school, or, or not, uh, boarding school, or tch, elementary school. <laughs> I'll get it straight. Whatever. And, uh, in that area, because my family's from there. Um, yeah. Let me look on a map real quick. Let me look. Map. Yep. yep. Vero Beach. Yeah. And supposedly, it was. Uh, it had some claim to fame when the Dodgers used to do their spring training here. Mm -hmm. They built like a big facility. I don't know what happened. I think they turned it into like a pool park or something like yeah. that, but um yeah it's it's kind of a quiet little place uh and it's just it's it's awesome you can hit a1a down and go all the way down south and and all the way north there's a ton of riding and and the roads are pretty mellow because i'm i get a bit spooked you know still by riding out in yeah. the uh i mean well, i mainly train on the kicker like i was telling that's like 90 percent of my cycling so oh, to go outside it's like a but it's pretty sweet you can see sebastian's only probably like 25 miles north yeah i see um, it um yeah, you're yep. south of Cape Canaveral. North of Cape Canaveral is the first time I ever saw surfers, and I was like, I got to get into that. That is awesome. Yeah, and it's and you probably coming from well, you kind of have a little bit of warmth out there too. But but coming from San Diego, where I was from, I felt like when I came out here the first the first year, and this was years and years and years ago when I was just straight up surfing. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you were trunking it all the time. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, it was never cold. And then after I lived here for a while, it'd be like, come wintertime. I'm like, oh, there's a breeze. I'm I know, freezing. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like I turned, you know, I turned it right. Yeah. I put my dress on real quick. And, oh, uh, let me let me see if I can work something out with uh, yeah, do it. my Zen, my Zen wife, my Zen try wife and say, I'm not doing, I don't have anything planned at all for this winter. No, and, and you the, can, as long as we have, uh, as long as we have our other house, dude, we, we can hook you up. You got a place yeah. to stay and, um, and we'll just, we'll do some training and stuff. As long as you don't mind kids, um, you know, kind of yeah. talking your head off, you'll be all good. We're uh, used to it. So some people that don't, aren't used to that, it's a little overwhelming, but like I said, we're uh, crazy. I love talking to kids. They're hilarious. So we'll, we'll keep you entertained. How about that? Cool. Okay. Well, let me start looking into it. See what I can swing. Bring it. Bring all it. Right, dude. All right. All right. Thanks, man. You bet, man. All right. Let's stay we'll in touch. All right. All right. Thank you, Jeff. That was a really cool interview. And I want to stay in touch with him. He's a really cool guy. I noticed after the interview, I started wearing baseball hats. Because he wears a baseball hat the cool way, you know, like skaters too. And I was like, I started doing that. I don't know. He has an effect on people. He's charismatic. He rubs off on you. And yeah, stay tuned with him. Let's go ahead and just cover something real quick before we get into the training log. We've got show donations. Uh, Dwayne Morin supported Zentri. Thank you, Dwayne. And Daniel Stark and Brett Hoyer and Simon Wright. Joseph Rogalski, who I coach. What's up, Joseph? And Richard Tragert, Michael Radogna, and Nicholas Pike. I think Nicholas sent in a message. Let me check real quick with his email. Houston Marsh. Uh, Nicholas Pike said, Hi, Brett. Just want to say I love the podcast. I found it really useful and your philosophy and approach in line with my own towards triathlon. Whilst I want to be, the, he said, the beat version of myself. He means the best version of myself within the sport. I don't want to lose sight of everything else. Cool, man. Glad you like that. You know, I've been wanting to mention, I haven't put out so many shows lately uh, because I'm trying to uh, reassemble, regather myself after doing that Ultraman. And I don't like putting out shows if I don't have much to say. And after doing that Ultraman, that settled so many demons in my mind and made me feel so complete. I just don't have much to talk about. <laughs> you know? Uh, I've, I've, like we're always talking about find yourself. Well, I found myself, so I'm, here I am. And uh, so there, I don't have much to... If other people want to argue with me about something or we want to discuss something, I'm fine with them being what they want to want to be and what they want to believe in because I'm happy with who I am. It's really interesting how somebody that's content... Uh, doesn't feel the need to engage so much because when you engage with others, you're actually trying to prove to yourself. Uh, you're trying to convince yourself that you're right when you when you when you interact with other people, uh, you know, strongly. And a podcast is a strong way to get out there and send a message. And and uh, yeah, I uh, shows have slowed down recently, but as we pick up uh, over Christmas and the racing season, we'll we'll get back in uh, with more stuff because stuff is always happening and always changing. But thank you for the um, thank you for the note, uh, Houston Marsh, Ken Soderquist, and Nathaniel Lebeck. Thank you very much for donating to the show. You too can support Zentri by going to the left side of zentriathlon.com. That's where I put show notes and links for every episode, and on there, there on the left side, there's a link to support the show. You can do a one-time donation or set up a subscription and donate a very small amount, and it's really cool. And it really, really, really helps out the show. And I appreciate it so much. A lot of hard work goes into making these podcasts. I make a lot of sacrifices uh, in time 
and time is valuable, uh, especially if you're a triathlete, to do this show. Uh, but I love talking about triathlon with everybody and figuring it out out there. So, um, yeah, your, your support is amazingly appreciated. And also, you can get Hornet Juice through uh, that page. If, I think it's on the right-hand side. You scroll down, there's a link to Hornet Juice. It's a purple and yellow logo. And Hornet Juice is an amino acid powder that you add to your fuel. And it hypes up your body's ability to burn its own body fat, which just turns you into a diesel engine. It's unbelievable. I used it during the Ultraman on day one and day two. Never ran out of energy. And uh, I biked 176 miles (laughs) without stopping um, and felt fine when I was done. I ate a hamburger when I was done. That was about it. And uh, I was using Hornet Juice that day, the day before. 10k swim, uh, 90 mile bike ride, I think, and uh, just cruising along, just having a good old time. And uh, I use it for training. Uh, you don't use it, you don't have to use it all the time. Use it for training, kind of here and there. Uh, peak days where you want a little bit of extra energy and you want to go a little bit longer, a little bit farther, and uh, you get it like that. People buy typically buy a 10 pack the first time, and then they come back and order like a 30. They're like, "Holy crap, that worked!" And of course, the more you get. Uh, the less it is per packet. I think I go all the way up to like a 50 or 60 packet of Hornet juice. And it's neat because you support yourself. You get something cool to show your friends and tell them this is not for sex. This is for triathloning. And, you know, all this crazy energy stuff you see at a gas station where they're like trucker's choice of uh, uh, super bedroom aid and stay awake and drive your 18-wheeler, you know, all night long. And uh, this is not that kind of stuff. And... Also, you get to support me and help Zentri uh, stay on the air. And so you're doing two things at once. You're supporting the show and you're supporting yourself. Three things at once. And, uh, and you're, yeah, well, I guess that's two things, isn't it? But anyway, the uh, Hornet Juice is super awesome. And I also want to give a shout out to livingfuel.com. So they're a sponsor of Zentri. They approached me and wanted me to uh, try some of their stuff. They sent me this big box of stuff. And I love it all. I'm almost out <laughs> of some of it, and because it's so cool, like I just like focus. I can only focus on a couple things at a time. So I've completely blown through the green um, smoothie mix, which is so good. I've blown through that first because that's probably uh, the thing I am attracted to because I used to eat green smoothies all the time. So this is like a green smoothie really easily. But um, and I've made a a huge dent in the more fruit flavored one and then a dent in the omega three and six like uh, fish oil uh, capsules that they have and now i am full fully on board with the amino acid powder that they put in there and this is the trick amino acids they just don't taste all that great you know and this and this stuff is pure straight amino acids so that you get all of them and since they're since they're un doctored unadulterated well they just they taste like amino acid powder which doesn't taste all that awesome so i figured out a way to fix it and it's really really cool so you should take amino acids are really uh protein and after a workout you should take protein to help rebuild your muscles so i'm like oh i will put a scoop of the amino acid powder in with something sweet because something sweet is what i need to eat uh, after a workout as well to replace uh, glycogen, right? So I've got like Gatorade powder. I've got I got just kind of powders and drinks, sweet stuff kind of laying around. And so um, after my last awesome bike ride, it was so great. 
because I can still ride the bike without my busted up body. I, um, in a water bottle, I did like about half a serving of Gatorade instead of a full serving because it's just so sugary. did half a serving of Gatorade and then a scoop of the Living Fuel Amino Acid Powder. And boom, perfect. Oh, man, it tasted, tasted great. Absolutely great. And I felt like I just had a ton of energy for a long time after that because the body's so happy. So check them out. Amino, <laughs> check out the amino acids at livingfuel.com. They have a huge spectrum of just awesome stuff. And they have a cool company story, uh, just like Amrita Bars do. They have a cool company story, story about how they uh, came about. And they're super, super healthy, and I'm stoked to be working with them and continue working with them. So check them out. All right, that's enough of all this stuff. Let's uh, roll right into the training log. We've got lots of cool things going on in there, so let's get going. Here's the training log. Here we go. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Kumeli. <laughs> Hi everybody, my name is Brett, I'm a triathlete. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on dudes, let's go exercise! Exercise! Yeah. I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself! Alright, first off, I had a really cool Twitter interaction with uh, Jocko Willink. I guess is how you say his last name. He's an ex-Navy SEAL commando or commander and a commando. And it was really cool because I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast and he was a guest on there and he was a Navy SEAL for like 20 years. And he, uh, (laughs) he, uh, well, he's just in general pretty badass and, or very badass. And it was, uh, him going back and forth with Joe Rogan and then while they were talking I was I looked him up this guy's face looks like like the epitome of a uh, badass soldier and then I looked up his Twitter feed because Joe said that they just got him started uh, using Twitter and Instagram and it said mission accomplished and it had a picture of a surfboard and wherever he was surfing it looked like it was cold and miserable and I love that (laughs) I've done lots of cold weather surfing, and it is awesome. And then Joe Rogan said something about, you've posted like getting up at 4.45 in the morning or 4.40 in the morning or taking a picture of your watch. Like, let's go ahead and get training and doing squats. And I thought, hey, I get up at 4.30 in the morning, so that's about how long it would take me to kind of drink a cup of coffee and take a picture of my watch. So I'm down with this. I like this guy. And then uh, Joe Rogan started talking about... uh, uh, the War of Art, which is really cool. Uh, Sun Tzu was a famous Chinese general that wrote The uh, Art of War, which you must read. It is incredible. The most valuable thing I ever learned out of that was, you know, pick your battles and also try to drag out the enemy's supply line so they get really long. It's really cool. But you use this in everyday life and in work. So the War of Art is pretty much quit being a pussy and do the work that you're supposed to be doing and watch out a lot of stuff that you don't want a lot of your a lot of stuff that you're doing is delaying and not actually getting the work done and then the guy mentions in his book that um oh it's on audible by the way the war of art i think by a guy named pressfield and 
<clears throat> he says that at one point he was a Marine and that uh, Marines love being miserable. And I thought, yeah, they do. Because I went to um, Marine Military Academy, which is the hardest military school in the nation. Uh, might be the world. I don't know what they're doing over in Russia, you know, by the way. But the uh, hardest military school in the nation, and it's run by Marines. It's it's Marine Military Academy. And they, uh, my drill instructor for my company, you know, I was, in a, I was in a squad that was in a platoon that was in a company. I was in Delta Company in this uh, place. Was, uh, my, my drill instructor was, had um, just retired from, you know, 30-something years in the Marine Corps and was the head drill instructor of Paris Island. And if you've ever seen the movie Full Metal Jacket, that was that guy's job. And he was in charge of me. <laughs> <laughs> and military school was absolutely miserable and you they teach you to love it and the discipline and the consequences but the rewards from succeeding and I ended up being a swim team captain at the hardest military school in in the uh, in the probably the world so I was like a jock, but also to get extra liberty, that's what they call it, we got free time on the weekends, uh, you had to have good grades. So I had really, I was on Dean's List and on and the swim team captain at, at the Marine Military Academy. And um, so it was hard living, man. And trained as, we lived as Marines, uh, full-time, 24-7, boarding school, no civilian clothes. They issue you your underwear if you lose it. And uh, take away all your, when you show up, they take away your civilian clothes, shave your head, put your civilian clothes back in the suitcase that you showed up in, and put it in storage up in the attic, and you might see it when you graduate. That's how this school is run. And uh, it is intense. It's full military all the time. Full Marine military. And Marines love being miserable. And, uh, and then when I was in the Corps at AM, I was in a Navy Marine unit. And uh, I'd already seen so much stuff. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then the, uh, the Boy Scout troop I was in for eight years was a paramilitary, huge Boy Scout troop that was run by dads that were almost all of them were Vietnam vets. My dad was a Vietnam vet. Uh, assistant scout master was a Navy submarine commander in Vietnam. I don't think the Vietnamese had a big uh, submarine contingency, but still hardcore, hardcore. And uh, buddies went on to become Marine pilots. Uh, I had a buddy that uh, went on to become a Navy SEAL. And so, man, if anybody was primed to become a Navy SEAL, I also grew up in Alabama, Birmingham, and in Texas, in the woods, playing war nonstop, like this guy's, like this guy said he did growing up in Maine and Connecticut. All we did was play war all the time. So I wanted to be a Navy SEAL, but I guess being a little nerdy, if you read a lot, apparently it messes up your uh, vision and kind of makes you nearsighted. So I was kind of nerdy too. I like computers and stuff, and uh, I just didn't have uh, the vision. My vision's really, really bad. So I have to wear glasses, and I never, once I found out that to be a Navy SEAL, you've got to um, have, a, a, you know, like, really good vision. And just doing, just at military school and in the core at AM, the ROTC uh, core, uh, just doing the obstacle courses and the, all the heavy-duty uh, simulated combat stuff, um, knowing that if you have a contact pop-out or you got to wear glasses, you cannot be doing any kind of special forces anything because you, you got people relying on you or else they're going to die 
and be like, hold on, I, I lost a contact. <laughs> no, that's not going to fly. So, no thanks. We can't have you as a fighter pilot, and we can't have you in the Navy SEALs or, um, I don't know, if Green Berets or anything like that. So, anyway, my dreams of, of being a Navy SEAL um, were washed away uh, when I realized that you couldn't do this and wear glasses. And so, um, I ended up, uh, you know, not doing that kind of stuff. And just getting outdoorsy jobs and eventually getting in the triathlon and stuff. So uh, last night, I tweeted it because this interview with this Jocko guy was awesome. And uh, uh, somebody somebody tweeted at me saying, hey, Zen Triathlon and Joe Rogan, uh, thank you for this interview, with, for letting us know about this interview with Jocko. Uh, this guy's awesome. And I said, well, first off, it's an honor to be uh, mentioned in the same uh, tweet as such a badass dude, um, and also I always wanted to be a Navy SEAL, but I couldn't because of my vision, and so I guess that's why I've, I do uh, Ironmans and, and did an Ultraman, because uh, my training uh, growing up was super, like, crazy uh, military, paramilitary, like, all this stuff, and, uh, and like the book, the war of art says they train you to love being miserable so i'm swimming this morning <laughs> i can't see my watch because it's too dark and i can't stay above the water too long because it's just above freezing it's like 35 degrees or something on the pool deck with the wind blowing steam going everywhere and i can't see my watch because uh and i can't see what interval i'm on and you know what i'm like oh yeah, oh man, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I'm being hardcore. I freaking love this, you know. And then you've got humility. The uh, the uh, Jocko guy. Whenever you um, you know you compliment him on what he's done, he he just replies back, "I'm just a man. I'm just doing my stuff. You know, I just do what I do. Um, I'm just here to serve." And that's real because if you know anything about. Uh, combat and war and stuff if you're still alive there's people that have given more than you and you're nothing compared to somebody that's given a limb or their life so don't take yourself too seriously you know don't think you're that badass because people have given a whole lot more and uh, I'm sitting there swimming <laughs> thinking I'm all badass and I hear over the over the bulkhead on the other side the high school swim team girls are over there cranking out uh, the the uh, swim with just as much mileage, uh, just uh, maybe more, probably more, you know. And then they got to they got to uh, <clears throat> deal with social pressures and, and go to high school all day with chlorine smelling hair, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, you're not that badass, man. There's there's uh, 14, 15 year old girls over there that could probably crush you in a 500. So uh, put your put your goggles back on, put your head down, and keep swimming. You know, there's more important things in life than uh, than thinking you're you're good at this kind of stuff. You, you know, get back to work, but enjoy being miserable, and that'll help you get the work done if you learn to love it. All right, weird first entry, but that's it. We did that while driving on the way from the pool to um, to my office. I'm here a little bit early, so let me tell you, I've been listening to the first part, uh, maybe the first hour of the War of Art, and I love it. You ought to check it out. It'll teach you a little bit about the mindset of people that get stuff done. If you learn to love uh, being in the 
what do they call it? Being in the hurt locker a little bit, um, then you and learn to notice what are distractions, then you'll actually get a lot more done and uh, kick some ass. All right, that's it. I got to go and have uh, my second breakfast. <laughs> All right, out, Bing. Hello? Hello? All right. Woo. I'm out running on a country road. Got a car coming, though. Before we get all philosophical, because I got some stuff for you, let's uh, do a couple of tips. So if you go swim, and you swim outside, the pool's cold. I guess it could be if it's an indoor pool, and you know, the air's cold. Wear a fleece jacket with a zipper. All the way to the edge of the pool. See, my pool was 30. Air temperature was 35 degrees. Hold on, my mouth's filling up with spit. It's so cold outside right now. So I got this trick. Fleece top all the way to the edge of the pool. You're wearing your swimsuit underneath. Unzip it. As you take it off, let it turn inside out. You know how your arms stick inside the sleeves? So now it's inside out on the edge of the pool, you know, on the bench or whatever. Go swim. You hop in the water, you know, you've been warm all the way up to the edge. And get out. Put on your jacket inside out. Quickly. Now your wet body is now making the inside of the jacket. It's making the outside of the jacket wet, right? Because you're wearing it inside out. Wear that to the locker room. <laughs> and uh, it acts like a towel to keep you warm. I'm keeping you from getting the inside of your jacket all wet because you're going to wear that jacket in a little bit when you leave the pool. How about that? A lot of you may say, well, you know, some more indoors. And I'm telling you, if you swim outside and it's cold, that's a real deal, dude. <laughs> and it really helps. Also, I was getting up this morning to go run and as an experiment, I turned on the lights in the living room. I closed the bedroom door so we can sleep with no lights. So I turned on as many lights as possible. Somebody's shooting a green laser at me. What the hell is that? Is that a Christmas decoration? Oh my God, that is weird. Anyway. Somebody was in the bushes aiming a green laser at my face. And by turning on all the lights, you know, that wakes you up more. I found myself going out the door 10 minutes earlier than usual. And in a way better mood. And then... On top of that, 
consider waking up and snacking on these uh, crackers with peanut butter in them. You know where you buy a little packet? But get healthy ones. You know, they make ones that aren't full of crap. They actually make healthy ones. That in a cup of coffee, your peanut butter, a little bit of peanut butter, seems to be just a nice little dose protein and fat. And then your uh, cracker gives you starch. And then the salt gives you a little bit of electrolytes. So I'm out running now. And it uh, feels good. Long-lasting, stable energy instead of a peak and a crash. And instead of going out on nothing, which will sabotage your run. Alright, and then, if you run far enough. Also... reading, listening to this audiobook. I was on the trainer last night and washing dishes last night. After that, the turbo. <laughs> and this book is great. Hold on, I need, I need to put my thumb in the sleeve, in my back of my glove. Ooh, it's cold out. It's 30, 35, is that like two degrees Celsius or something? Anyway, and the book is really good. It's called Smile at Fear. And it's kind of like a, a Buddhist philosophy book. And it's five hours long. But it was written relatively recently, I think in the last 20 years. So it's full of up-to-date examples, mostly up-to-date. It's by Lance Armstrong and, and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it describes life a little bit. Kind of like the warrior mindset, but not too much. It's just enough. It's just right. And then it's got the tiniest bit of salty language in it, which makes it real. I did a turnaround. Now I'm running back past this laser light show. Somebody's from here. It's actually kind of cool. That is a trip. Anyway, so again, smile at fear, and it's five hours of how to approach your day every day with a little bit more of the warrior mindset without it being ridiculous. It's pretty cool. Really, it's really motivating. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, task timing. So, we've been doing this Blue Apron dinner thing. It takes forever to make dinner, and it uses a lot of dishes. 
This is only for three people. So if Emily cooks, I clean up. This is the deal. So after dinner, I'm like, all right, I'm going to have a cup of coffee. I'm going to relax. Because goes, no, I want you to clean the dishes. I'm like, no, I want to relax. <laughs> so we get into this argument. It's kind of funny. I'm like, I'm going to bike from probably around 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. And then as I cool down, then I got energy, you know, because I just got off the bike. And I don't want to go to sleep all sweaty. So I want to cool down. That's a perfect time for me to sit in the kitchen and do dishes. She's like, no, you'll never do them. I'm like, man, let me, <laughs> let me do my plan. I'm very aware of my energy levels and I do not want to do dishes right now and I'm gonna hate doing them. Just let me do my thing. What was crazy was uh, when this happened a week ago, while I was on the bike, she went ahead and did the, did the dishes and then acted all pissed off at me when I got off the bike. <laughs> I was like, she can't help herself. She's like a clean nut. You know? And I said, uh, tonight, do not do the dishes. Just relax. It's really interesting, you know. One personality is relaxed, and I'll get to him in a little bit. Another personality. So I'm agitated whenever I have to do them too soon. And then she's agitated when they're not done soon enough. You know, you can tell, like, the undone dishes are awake over her head. It bothers her. She can't relax. So as I was getting on the bike last night, I said, do not do the dishes. Just watch. And so I was listening to Smile at Fear on the bike. And through at least half an hour of doing dishes and enjoyed it. It was really good. Made the time go by. It's cooling down. It's pretty cool. I was riding Zwift last night. All right. Couple of couple other things. There's a really good podcast interview with uh, Rain Wilson, who plays Dwight Shrewd on uh, played him on The Office, and this is on the Tim Ferriss podcast. What I really enjoyed was discovering a. Uh, oh, there's a rabbit. Go rabbit. Was discovering a. I mean, I'd heard of it, but the. But the Baha'i religion, B-A-H-A-I, and they pulled the trump card, they pulled out the ace, kind of like Zen does, they said, our religion is that all other religions... so good. Our religion is that all other religions are true and are sending their prophet is the messenger or just messengers to a greater truth that's even bigger. 
So Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, I don't know. Anybody that has a good message, significant good message in the history of the world is trying to bring you the real truth, which is everybody should get along and someday, someday, some point. We'll all speak one universal legend uh, language and then uh, there'll be world peace. Which is really nice. It's pretty cool. Which either may or may not be true. Depending on whether you live it or not. And make it happen. Is my opinion. And then, finally, I wanted to mention uh, this book, The War of Art. It had something in it as I was wrapping it up. Something in it, super cool. And uh, I'm going to stop and pee here in the woods. I'll tell you in a second. Hold on. Let me pause this thing. Gotta get my hands out of my gloves. Ah! Eating my gloves so I can get it off my hands. Alright, we're back. <laughs> Where's the mic? There it is. Okay. Man, suddenly I just had to pee. It's so cold out. Anyway, the uh. The War of Art, starting in chapter 31, but the good stuff gets in 32, describes the fear of success and what's actually going on. And it takes a few chapters, but the chapters are really short, just a few minutes. But it takes a while to get to the point to describe it sufficiently, so I'll do my best. But you are, humans are tribal animals. You know, we like companionship, be part of a tribe. And high school is a tribe, for example. You know, very tribal. And our tribe, we're used to tribes of just like 20 to a few hundred people. Okay. And success means you'll have to leave your one tribe and go to another tribe. And that's very scary. Right? Because we think it's like hopping from one island and somebody's saying, well, there's another island. You can <laughs> kind of barely make out an island over the horizon on the ocean, right? With that island, what you can make out looks better. It's got what you need, it's got what you want. Well, to get to that island, you gotta go. But in your current island, your current tribe, you got things pretty good, right? And everything's relative. Your reality is relative. Like, it's pretty good here, so in your mind, everything's pretty good. And your fear is if you go to that new island, you'll be alone. That is human's greatest fear. I mean, our biggest punishment is the isolation chamber, right? The hole in prison put you in isolation. 
that's what we're most scared of. So you're worried if you go to that other island, you're going to be all by yourself. So it's very fearful. What they're saying is the reality is if you go over to that new island, there's definitely people there. And the people are better <laughs> than your last group. I like that. I thought that was funny. They are better people, and they want to be friends with you, and they want you there. Because they like having people in their tribe, too. And everything will be okay. And also, in modern days, there's a difference between a tribe and a territory. You can create a tribe out of your territory. So your territory is a physical or psychological space, a realm where you're a part of a tribe, right? So my territory is triathlon and then the stuff I do at work, right? That's where I feel like I'm somebody, right? But if I go bigger than that, then it's too big and I can't I can't deal with it like perspectively, you know. It's too many people. The whole world, seven billion people. I don't get it. I'm irrelevant. But if you make the territory small enough, you're relevant and you feel better. So a good example is uh, my small high school I went to, I was somebody. My bigger high school, I would see people every day that I'd never seen before. And I was getting to the point, it's kind of like, what's the point? You know, 2,000 something people. And then when I went to Texas A&M, the 55,000 people, <laughs> like, What's the point of trying to be popular? You, you can't. There's, there's an infinite number of people that can beat you at that game. So it's not a fun game. But, besides all that, with island hopping, you need to try and experiment. and hop from one tribal island to another, just small stuff, and feel the excitement, and then realize that the new island has plenty of people and they're glad you're there. So, taking a new route home from work, right? It's fearful, right? You don't know what's going to happen. It'll be fine. And it's good for you. Taking a different run route. Proposing something to your boss. Right? Man, you propose something to your boss, as long as it's not stupid, your boss will be like, man, I like this guy. Now you're starting to be in the realm of your boss, right? And then, what was another? Asking somebody out on a date. 
you know, trying a new piece of training equipment. But as you island hop, watch this happen. This fear of the unknown, crossing the bridge, and then merging with the new tribe. And then you do it ever bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, triathlon training really pushes your boundaries. Because, like I've always said, you cannot be successful at triathlon if you care what other people think. You gotta dress weird, you gotta do stuff at weird times of the day. You gotta be different. But if you want to be part of the tribe of successful, successful triathletes and not sitting on your ass watching TV all day, being unhealthy, you got to hop that island, man. You got to do it. Do push-ups in the street. Run barefoot. Look like a clown in all your spandex when you go ride your bike. Right? On the outside, people make fun of you. On the inside, they wish they were doing what you're doing. It's the truth, and you know it. All right. I'm about to run downhill. The microphone's going to get all crazy, so I'm going to turn this thing off. Out. It's been fun. i got to get my thumb out of this glove. Alright, I'm leaving Freebirds after eating a nice healthy burrito and I actually have a request of y'all and what's happening is I just got word that Triathlete Magazine is going to run a feature on some inspirational age groupers and you just have to tweet them and let them know who you want. Please tweet them and tell them about at Zen Triathlon and that uh, you want them to, to feature uh, me in their, in their magazine and I'll tell you why is because I don't really care about me. What I do care about is I believe that we can actually change the world and have more people doing triathlon and that doing endurance sports can be more more widely accepted as a thing and not a mystery of how to do it like it's some kind of ninja skill. It's actually really easy, it's really simple and that's what I try to bring to people. And right now, the world is stacked against us as, as uh, long-distance athletes. And uh, what we do, the whole world is really either no sports and sitting around and watching TV or very short-distance contact sports, uh, stuff that lasts like uh, 30 seconds to a minute, you know, the 100-yard dash. And humans are meant to do long-distance stuff. And we are so much happier when we, when we do and can, but the, our environment is actually stacked against us. Uh, there's two things. The physical environment. I want to go mountain biking. There's like, uh, I get, or I want to go road biking. I get yelled at all the time to get off the road or to go to a park. Well, the loop in the park is three miles long. And how are you supposed to get in a 30 mile a mountain bike ride when it's three miles long, right? And then uh, the high school that just got built near my house has no swimming pool. And uh, the local high school track, they've closed it off to the public so that you can't go exercise on it. 
and uh, yeah, you ride your bike, you get told to get off the road, you know, and it's like uh, the whole world seems to be stacked against us in the physical matter, and then uh, if you happen to live in a place like Boulder or maybe San Diego, you know, then, then things kind of work out your way, but you're considered such an oddball, and then if you try to eat healthy or you try to exercise, um, uh, long distance. It's such a mystery on how to do it. And I keep trying to put out this show. I ask myself all the time, why do you keep putting out the show? And it's because I have a vision of a world that is supportive of people trying to do endurance sports instead of us uh, fighting against the world that has to do with uh, endurance sports. And there's a big difference in what happens. Uh, my neighborhood that I grew up in, Kingwood, had a swimming pool in every part of the neighborhood. Every village is how Kingwood is broken up. And guess what? Everybody was on swim team. Everybody grew up swimming. Everybody swam all the time. And we produced amazing swimmers by the time we got to high school. Uh, just tons and tons and tons. I had a high school varsity team, a junior varsity team. Everybody wanted to be on it. You had competitions and cutoffs and, and uh, huge swim team because of the neighborhood pools, because of the environment. And uh, this town I live in now has uh, no... Well, we have like uh, we have like three community pools, but only one of them is open for actually lap swimming, and it's only half of it, right? And then so who's where's all the swimmers, right? This whole culture, it's the same size town as Kingwood, and this whole culture is totally rigged against swimming. And then how to train uh, yourself for long-distance stuff is completely messed up in this world, right? Um, it's really no big mystery once you understand how to do it it's it's consistency it's a little bit of volume and it's not going too hard it's going just about right and it's eating the right stuff but when you start trying to do triathlon or ultra running or long distance swimming marathon swimming people think you're from freaking outer space and you're like no this is something that we've been meant to do and it's something we can do and that's my rant is that i have a vision of a world that's completely different than uh, the uphill struggle that we're against all the time right now and if I get in Triathlete Magazine that's the message I want to continue to promote and say that we've got to work on and I want you to join me I want you to to uh, tweet at Triathlete Magazine and tell them uh, to run uh, me in part of their, uh, you know, they'll probably do like 10 age groupers or something like that, right? And so there'll be all kinds of people with all with their different messages. And, uh, you know, some people uh, want, um, you know, uh, to let it be known that, you know, you can, how you can help uh, handicap people do triathlons, which I've done, by the way. I've, I ran a uh, blind lady through a half marathon with, with a rope tied to my arm, right? Or they want to uh, talk about how, you know, shorter distance triathlons are, you know, need to be um, remembered because everybody's so into Ironmans and stuff. And uh, so there's all kinds of messages out there. And mine is I want the whole foundation of how we view athletics in the United States and in the world uh, to be transformed into something that you can do it, uh, to, to switch it, to make people realize that endurance sports is an option and for people to be supportive of it. And that, because if you do, it's something you can do for the rest of your life. You know, you play football and you're so banged up and wrecked that you can only do it for a few years and then you're out because you're so injured. But man, you swim and you bike and you run 
oh my gosh, this is a lifetime sport that you can do with your family. I was talking in the locker room the other day with a guy that uh, we were talking about how he uh, did a triathlon where his kids and grandkids were in the same triathlon with him. And how awesome is that? All right, so tweet at triathlete mag, all one word, that you want to see a Zen triathlon at Zen triathlon in their their feature about inspirational age groupers and you know you don't get much room in a tweet so uh you know put in there uh, something that um is has been in the show or an interview or something i've done or tried to drag you along with me to go do that uh, made an impact on you and uh, if we get enough people in there we can get this message out in triathlete magazine so join me and let's go kick some ass all right out bing hello all right I am on my way to the pool, but I just got off the bike trainer, and some training methods came to mind that I thought I'd share with everybody, so that you can train like you're going to race, and that way you race better, and it goes like this. When you're doing uh, trainer time, first off, you need to spend a lot of time in arrow position. The uh, There's a little bit of a mindset of, you know, ride your road bike a lot, you know, for the, um, to get in more riding time on something different. And I actually have the opposite opinion of that. I say get a tri bike and ride it all the time, every, as everything, indoor, outdoor, <laughs> long rides, easy rides, and get really used to that uh, tri bike position. Because the more time that you're able to spend in aero position, the faster you are. It is two, three miles per hour faster. And I promise you that if you spend enough time in the arrow position, you can get that as your default easy uh, mode, just kind of like resting, like you're watching TV, laying on your stomach with your with your uh, head propped up on your on your hands, with your elbows under your head, you know, like, like a little kid kicking his legs while you're watching TV. And that's the uh, position you want to be in, and it needs to be that easy and that rested. And this all goes back to... Uh, Gosh, quite a few years ago, I did Ironman Texas alone, coffee sip. And I had trained myself to do um, arrow position for hours and hours and hours and hours on end. And so that it was actually easy. I did it by riding my tri bike all the time. And the, uh, I remember I had a bike split of like 504 or 508, something like, something ridiculously fast. And I weigh 180 pounds, you know, so that's fast for my weight. And my watts were actually really low, like uh, 190 maybe, I don't know, something like that. And uh, a few people on Slow Twitch of all places said, how is that possible? How did you do that? And uh, I said, and also I am angrily against drafters. (laughs) And I said, uh, I rode in the arrow position the whole time. And I uh, went just a slightly bit harder on the uphills and slightly bit easier on the downhills, and that's what I got. It was uh, absolutely amazing. So you can go really fast if you can stay in the air position. So back to the trainer. You want to be on the, um, as much time as you can on the trainer, a riding arrow position, but... But when you do intervals, and you need to mix in intervals, that's a whole other talk. When you do intervals, if you think about it, The times that you're putting out the most power, let me turn on the AC here. We did a road trip yesterday to a cave, and 
was cold. AC's all messed up. The uh, the time you put out the most power is when you're going uphill, pretty steep, right? What are you doing when you're going uphill pretty steep? Do aerodynamics matter? No, they do not. You're sitting up, right? Now, if you do all your threshold interval work sitting up, well, you're not improving your leg strength in the arrow position. So what you need to do is a mix of arrow position um, when you're doing an interval and sitting up when you're doing an interval. And also, on my tri-bike, on the trainer, I have the front end elevated just the tiniest, tiniest bit because what you're, you're on the trainer because you're trying to train yourself. What are you trying to do? You're trying to train yourself to be better. Better at what? Better at going harder. What are you doing when you're going harder? You're going uphill, <laughs> right? The body position is everything. You can train, uh, if you haven't done a tri-bike, right? If you don't ride a tri-bike a lot, and even if you do ride it a lot, if you don't ride it correctly, and train it correctly, you can put out more power sitting up than you can in the arrow position, right? You think, think about it. That's your, uh, that's what you think is normal, right? Well, actually, I, and I always say on this podcast, I am just some dude, right? I am not uh, special, gifted, anything. In fact, I'm probably the opposite of that. And the, um, I used to have my power be higher, when I'd sit up, right, climbing a hill. But over the years, I've trained my power. My power in the arrow position has gone up and up and up and up because I ride the arrow position so much that my power output at the same heart rate is higher in the arrow position than it is in the sitting up position. And that is really, really rare for most age groupers, uh, back of the pack to middle of the pack. I would say front of the pack age groupers, that starts becoming more and more common where they're so used to the air, to the arrow position that they've ridden it so much that they're, they ride upright and sitting up so little that their power at those, at the uh, upright position is actually not as well trained, right? So the front of your bike can be, if you ride with it with just like at a one per one percent uh, hill climb angle, maybe one and a half, maybe two percent, then you're slightly up. So when you're doing your interval work, when you're doing your trainer rides, you're, you're, the gravity is kind of pulling back on your body a little bit. So you're training the exact right saddle position and handlebar position for you to be in to, uh, when, when you're training yourself to put out more power. And when you're training yourself to put out more power, that's what's going to happen uh, when you're doing it on the trainer, that's what's going to actually happen on the road. The exact same percentage uh, body position, I mean, that you're in. Hold on, coffee break. Okay. So, the thing is, you can see I'm, there's there's a problem. You can either train for more power sitting upright, right? Because I said the time when you need the most power is sitting upright because you're going up and over a hill. Uh, but how often does that actually happen, right? Because you spend a majority of your time, big time, putting out power in the arrow position. So you solve the arrow position problem by trying to spend as much time as you can in training in the arrow position, and that will do um, wonders for the power output in the arrow position. 
and high cadence and relaxed and all that stuff. And if you can't be relaxed, put out a high cadence and breathe well in the aero position, well, then your aero position is too cramped or something's wrong with it. You're too stretched out. Something's wrong. But when you're doing an interval, let's say you're doing a three-minute long interval or a 10-minute long interval and you're doing four of them, well, while doing the intervals, either alternate aero position intervals or and then uh, sitting up intervals or within the interval alternate arrow position and sitting up and arrow position and sitting up because you want both you want to increase your power at both positions so that you're very effective at both now there's another thing after doing an interval this is what happened while I was on the bike I was riding on Zwift and uh, which is the video game thing it's pretty cool uh, after the interval you need to train like you're going to do in real life what happens after you do an interval on a triathlon bike in the real world right you're going uphill you're working hard working hard you crest the hill and then you go downhill and what do you need to do you need to get in the arrow position right because now you're doing 30 something miles an hour going downhill and if you're sitting up right then you're creating a lot of drag it's not efficient at all but if you don't train yourself so that after you do an interval you need to train let me rephrase that so it's easier to understand you need to train yourself so that after you do an interval that you're back in the arrow position within seconds very very few seconds and the, uh, the trick is do hard on the interval and tell yourself, stay in the arrow position or get in the arrow position and relax, relax in the arrow position. And imagine that you just crested the hill and now you're going downhill. And pedal easy, cruising down the hill and catch your breath while in the arrow position. And if you do it in training, you will actually do it in on race day without, with it being second nature without you having to think about it because there's too much going on race day uh, for you to actually have to think. Okay, so let's, let's review. You need to train both. You need to train intervals. You need to train intervals both aero position and sitting upright because when you're going up a hill and there's no aero drag and you're putting out watts, major watts to crest that hill, right? you can sit upright and give your arrow position kind of a break. That's a really good time to do it. And then, but you also need to ride in the arrow position a ton so that you're very comfortable in it. In fact, it's so comfortable that you're easily in that arrow position just as much as you are in the, um, in the uh, upright position so that you can spend hours and hours and hours in aero position because it is way faster up until you get to about, I'd say 14, 15, 16 miles an hour of wind resistance, right? It kind of depends. If you got a tailwind, you can sit upright. When I was doing the Ultra Baby uh, day two, there was 20 minutes at a time, 30 minutes at a time of tailwind. I was riding this huge loop and I would sit upright when I had the tailwind in my back most of the time and then I would have like 45 minutes or something like that of head down straight into the headwind and I would alternate right so if you got a tailwind you can uh, you can sit upright a little bit longer but um, 
don't fall into the trap of thinking you need a road bike to go train on in the winter. Just train on your tri bike and try to stay in the aero position as much as possible and you can uh, improve the amount of power that you put out in the aero position all the time because you always train on your uh, tri bike. Now I have both. I have well, I have three. I have a tri bike, road bike, and a mountain bike. One, I have a commuter bike. <laughs> I've got a problem. That's really what I've got. But the um, the road bike sees very little use because I'm always on my tri bike. Always, always, always. And that's not just me. Uh, Luke McKenzie will tell you, and he just went sub eight at. Uh, at uh, Ironman Western Australia. Luke McKenzie will tell you, try bike all the time, uh, all weather. Uh, Jonas Colting, who lives in Sweden, which has some brutal winter, is, uh, I, I don't know if he talks about try bike all the time, but he says, ride your ride your bike outside all the time and get used to the weather. Be a badass, you know? And uh, so there's lots of people that uh, do it that way. And I'm not saying you have to do it that way, but don't think that you can't do it because you've never heard of anybody doing it. Believe me, there's uh, lots of people doing stuff different ways. So give it a try and see what happens. And that's why I'm big into, um, I ride my tri bike everywhere. There was a group ride where we uh, did bar hopping, where we went from one bar to the next to the next here in town the other day. And for that, I rode my road bike, um, you know, because <laughs> we're going over curbs and stuff like that. But otherwise, if I go out for a ride, it's all tri bike all the time, and then I'm in that aero position like it's nothing. It's not a big deal at all, and uh, that's how it works. All right, that's it. I gotta go swim. Out, bang. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up this episode. I want to give a shout out real quick to Chris Hague Racing, H A G U E. Chris Hague Racing. The dude is awesome. He's a big fan of Zentri. He's trying to get me to go train on Zwift with with him. The uh, uh, the other day, and, and uh, will it will happen? So uh, I run shirtless. Uh, AJ Balco, uh, aka AJ Balco, and uh, Chris Hague Racing, uh, both trying to get me on Zwift. Uh, check out Chris Hague. He is an awesome triathlete, awesome coach, and I cannot recommend him. Most importantly, I cannot rec- recommend him more, better, most importantly, and as a human. Uh, then a coach. The dude is awesome. Give him a chance as your coach and watch yourself kick some butt. Also, I uh, did a, what is it called? Challenge for Steve-O? Let me figure out what it's called real quick. I did a swim this morning. Adam Chame, who I used to coach, uh, asked me to do a Steve-O challenge. What is it called? Uh, swim this morning. It is... Racing for Stevo. It's a hashtag on Twitter, and uh, it's where you swim thirty one hundreds. And he was saying meters, but that's because he's from Canada, and uh, I don't know if you could do it in yards either. This uh, Stevo guy passed away from I can't I didn't see what kind of cancer it was but anyway he was a badass age grouper and he got sick passed away and uh, people are doing some kind of um, challenges for him I just heard about it so I'm not the best person to ask on exactly what all the challenges are but Adam Chames said hey I'm swimming uh, 30 by 100s this day and then 50 by 100s 
this next day, and then 100 by 100s. That's a 10K. That's the Ultraman swim. Uh, the, the next day, I don't know if it's all three days in a row or if he had a, a break in between, but I said, uh, uh, or he said, will you join me uh, for this challenge? And I said, well, um, I can do the uh, 50, the 50 by 100s. Um, I can I can knock that out. That sounds like a challenge. I usually swim between three and four thousand meters in a workout, so five thousand meters would be um, would be a challenge. Um, I haven't really been training for anything in particular, so I don't want to do anything crazy. And because uh, one uh, one hundred by one hundreds was it one hundred? Yeah, is too much uh, to just jump in and go do. But I can do the I can try the fifty by. Uh, by 100s and um, so I got to the pool and I got to the pool uh, a little bit early but not as early as I wanted so I said there's no time to do it by 100s I'm just going to swim it straight because <laughs> if I do it on an interval that I'm stopping and uh, if I want if I'm going to get this in I only had two minutes by the time I finished the swim before the pool closed so I just swam it straight but what I did do this is my tip I'm, I'm getting around to a tip 5,000 meters non-stop I looked at the swim when I was done. It was over 1,100 calories burned to swim 5,000 um, meters nonstop. That's one hour and 20 minutes of, you know, pretty elevated pace, right? And so what I did is I stopped every 15 minutes, every 1,000 meters, and um, and took a uh, sip of fuel. I took a sip of maple syrup, just a little one, and some water. To wash it down and this is this is important people will say oh you know during a swim workout during a one hour hour and a half workout you shouldn't be fueling and I say there's a problem with that theory is because I didn't spend uh, you know two days carving up you know I'm I'm training and so I don't have I'm going into this without a backlog of uh, of carbs of glycogen, you know, built up, and um, this is a workout, so it's supposed to improve me, so I'm going to be straining for fuel, uh, for reserves during the workout, so a little bit of carbs kind of here and there, uh, actually, to fuel the body will give you a better workout, because the point of the workout is to improve you, so it'll improve you, and that is... uh, worth it to actually stop and take a little bit of fuel instead of bonking because you didn't uh, fuel properly so there's a balance right uh, some workouts you know maybe cut back on the fueling but other ones 1100 calories during that 1100 calorie workout I I probably ate 150 calories worth of fuel during that whole thing so the ratio of what I took in versus what I burned is still just off the charts. So not to take in anything during something like that, um, you got to ask yourself, you know, is that smart? But anyway, that's uh, that's it. Something to think about. Everything depends. Always depends. I want to do an episode about that. Anyway, that's it for this show. Uh, stay safe out there. Everybody work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. Out, bang. <laughs>